Hello. Hello. Welcome to Remove Film from Trey, a movie podcast. Uh, episode 18. I'm here with Slushy. Hello. I will never be allowed to do the intro again. <laughs> I'm here with Count. Hey, I'm Count. How are you all doing out there in listener land, viewer land? I'm on a log. How's it feel on the log? I think there's like a... It's nice and warm. There's a little meal on there. Yeah, I got some sausages you here. <laughs> you got some sausages that have been sitting out for multiple nights. If Especially you're not Captain watching Raz. Bug infested. <laughs> Captain Raz ate uh, chocolate yesterday, last night. That was from last year's advent calendar. And I said, don't do that. It had been sitting in the advent calendar? Yeah. Well, it's close. So here's the thing. I don't... Like, unless chocolate has the white spots on them, on it, which a lot of people just shave off, and I'm usually fine with that, too. That doesn't bother me. Like, you know, white why spots? it bothers me? Because it's not sealed, even if it's closed. It's like in that crappy cardboard that has, like, all the air caps in it. It's, right, but as long as you can... It's not great chocolate s- to begin with. Yeah, so, like, it's not that big of a deal, and as long as you can visually inspect it, and there, it's not covered in white spots, which, like... Um, that's just like, it's like mold on cheese, the white spots on chocolate. It's, it's just something with, I've never seen also white. Captain, I'm not the chocolate police. I'm not narking on you. I'm just, you know, we're, I'm, it's come up naturally because I'm eating these raw sausages here. I've never <laughs> seen white spots on chocolate. You never, you never I've seen never, that? I've Maybe never it's had something that only like happens when you, out when you that freeze it for a long, long time. Freeze it? That's ice. Yeah. That's freezer burn. It's, That's not like it's freezer mold. <laughs> what? It's, it's sugar crystallizing. Oh well, then you can eat it, right? I think. What's wrong with like, it? Like I don't, I don't know that there's anything wrong with it, but also I think that's you know, like my my aunt used to work for Morley's chocolate. My aunt and my grandmother used to work for Morley's chocolate over in Michigan. Which, if you live in Michigan or maybe northern Ohio, you'll know what Morley's is, probably. I'm not sure if they're around anymore. I've but. never I'm from Hershey's country. I, ever, uh, Hershey's is worldwide. Morley's is, like, real. <laughs> it's like Saruji's. It's local chocolate Sarugis. makers that make good chocolate. Saruji's is in Wisconsin. I, I, our friend Gunstar knows what Saruji's is. They make some of the best chocolate I've ever had in my entire life. Anyway, I think it is something that generally only happens with, like, you know, chocolate that's made well. So I guess you probably won't see white spots on Hershey's. It's just mold. Well, it's It's not not mold. mold. It's sugar crystallizing. (laughs) It's mold. But I don't know. I don't know if it's okay to eat the white stuff, but I have been told multiple times that if you just shave it off, similar to mold on cheese, because, you know, cheese the way it ages right mold is part of it and you cut the mold off because the mold can't eat but you can eat the cheese that the mold made and the cows so you know this is a a nutrition podcast now but if um, sausages were sitting outside yeah but then he burned a day it's fine yeah, no, fine that's just mm. I, mean, I feel like I was reading this Raz book last night, right? I was reading built this up some kind book. of crazy immunity. 
and yeah. and that like they found an astronaut that had been, had been dead for generations and it was like he like he wasn't rotting because there were no bacteria that would eat humans on the planet i thought that was kind of cool that is, that is cool. cool anyway that's proxima by uh can't see the book from here who cares we got some top of the show business uh let's get to that let's get out of the <laughs> the white spots on chocolate chat yeah, could I start with this? You start with what? Some top of the show business. Do you want to start? Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying uh, I've renewed contracts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Twitch. They're out 2023 and 2024 for a removed film from Trey. Uh, most of our views come in through Alpha Samurai, our music project, but don't worry, we'll still be <laughs> reviewing movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? How's the... How's the publishing end doing? <laughs> the publishing end is great. We're swamped. Nice. We're currently operating at about 2% capacity on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the actual top of the show business, uh, we've we've missed some weeks here and there. Uh, we're all going through some shit. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I just want to... We've chatted... I think we've agreed we're going to be looking at a by assume a bi-weekly format for the time being. And if it's, you know, if it happens weekly as a bonus. Uh, yeah. And if it happens, if we end up going three weeks or something about one because someone gets sick or something, that'll happen too. Okay, folks. Yeah. Chill out. Um, <laughs> on the fuck down. Everybody's in our comments on Spotify and YouTube and okay. what the other two things that Count said. Where's the episode last week? What happened? Did Count die? Uh, yes, but he's a vampire, so he's fine now. And, uh, you know, we just do it when we want to. Uh, we, we may be doing short, okay, shorter shows less often. <laughs> so, right. Uh, I think we've, we've agreed money, the canon I mean format. It. You know, just sort of shooting around movies rather than a synopsis-based discussion. I think we've agreed works better. Uh, if you have a comment, leave a comment on YouTube. But uh, or Spotify, because you can apparently do that. I, I think we decided you can't. Right? That's we can comment. I don't know. I thought I we don't decided know. It's that. Confusing. Um. What was I saying? No guarantees. Like if we have Sire after on, of course we we will probably go five hours, five yeah, three to five hours. Uh, that being said, okay. Second order of business. Uh, I have begun a Kofi. Do you say it Kofi or Kofi? Do you know? I've coffee. always said I've always like, said like coffee, coffee because it's because like the pun. original thing was you can yeah. pay three dollars to buy this artist a coffee coffee not the way inflation's been uh yeah i've started a ko-fi if you if you would like to you know if you've enjoyed the podcast if it's brightened your work day your commute your two and a half hour commutes <laughs> charles band on the podcast is always talking about oh we need to keep it an hour because they tell me there's this thing called drive time and i don't know i don't commute um but if you, you know, you can, it is now possible to 
give us money, which I will have to split evenly. Or I guess if anyone has a need, if anyone needs equipment, we could, you know, shuffle it. But the address for that is co-fi.com slash xmortisrfft, no spaces or underscores. In the, uh, the link will be in the YouTube description. It's a little weird. There's and not the a Spotify not a Ko-Fi <laughs> alternative that like automatically splits between multiple people. It, that's it seems in the in the era of podcasts that would be like a maybe that's good what we need to make. To we'll make we'll get rich off making that. We'll make like an app that does that. Yeah, could be. Can uh, we call it X.com? No, we can't. That's taken. It's also really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a letter that splits into E, I guess? We could call it E-Wing. Yeah. E-Wing Assault dot gov. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think that's it for that. Uh, you want to talk about the Puppet Master game? Sure. Sure. Puppet Master I, again. I feel, got like, a big I feel like our fates are inexorably linked to the puppet master game like we've we've come up together <laughs> we've we're growing we've together been in the trenches together uh yeah big puppet master update the totems are in it the evil sutek creatures uh some new game modes we played some last night what did you guys think i had a great um, time with it i know the others didn't <laughs> i did i I love the concept of the update, and it was fun playing with friends. I, I could not imagine playing a game like that with randos. So it's it's good. We had a group of friends together. Um, exclusively with randos, I guess, is what I mean. Because we did play with a couple of randos, and they varied from really good at the game to what are you doing? Um, but that's I'd say more often life, than not. And that's were... video game. They were pretty good. Scooby was pretty powerful. Scooby. (laughs) Why were we saying Scooby? (laughs) Because that's just what said it. Anytime, anytime Cyraptor says, or anyone says Scooby Doo while Cyraptor is around, he will say Scooby. Oh, right. That whole thing. It's right. It's very funny. I forgot about that whole thing. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I enjoy it a lot. Uh, I'm sure next time he's on the podcast, he can explain it to us. So, it used to be there was there was three puppets versus one human mode. Now there's four puppets versus one human also available. Two humans, sorry. And one human and three puppets versus four totems. So there's you can play with more people. Uh, there's more little creatures in the totems faction. I think I don't the totems feel kind of weird. Yeah. Like there's there's one totem from the movies <laughs> if you remember from yeah, our puppet master up. coverage there's uh three I think yeah three different made up ones and then like Mephisto who is a puppet who we've never seen animated in the films but Yeah, they, hey Dad, why puppet. is he on the totem side? Let us know. I'd like to see Mephisto available on the puppet side as well. You know, if maybe if the totems aren't in play, I don't know. Yeah, that could be something. Maybe the totems get a different puppet at random. I don't know. Uh, 
That would be interesting. It's a little weird. The like the Sutek totem felt very powerful. I assume it's supposed to be their equivalent of Decapitron, but oof. I don't know. <laughs> like there I feel like there needs to be some limiting factor on the really strong little guys. Yeah. Right? Like like maybe maybe they get one spawn of them every time the human gets a statue or something. For those not Maybe. super familiar, at some point they added Decapitron to the game. I think the last update they added Decapitron to the game. Last major. And his whole, yeah, and his whole thing is that um, he's very powerful, but you can only access him after like 240 seconds, I think is the default. You can make that longer or shorter. But in the mode where the totems are uh, involved, like the, the two humans versus four puppets slash totems, or the humans and puppets versus totems there's no irregular spot there's like no spawn limit on decapitron which like he's not very good against other puppets so that's fine but then there's also no spawn limit on sutek totem and we're we're just not sure if there was supposed to be or not because he is very strong i bet if uh decapitron put on the like laser head he'd be really good against other puppets but i don't know i mean maybe uh, but you you got to be able to hit those shots which is easy on a human because they can't move that fast and they're very large but on the you know the totems and the yeah. puppets are quite small probably more balanced to come, but yeah uh, just good to see the game continuing to get updates it's free on steam yeah the updates Pop are free on. it's not you can pay for DLC, but just for skins. So if you want to keep playing the main game, it's free. Check it out. It's a small file size. Get some of your friends together and play some Puppet Master. It's a small file size. It would fit on 20 CDs um, or yeah, just two about. DVDs. <laughs> One, 1. 1.5 DVDs. Yeah. Um, I will say I I generally had fun, but it the last match did leave a sour taste in my mouth. The last match? Because, yeah. Because we won! We won! Because, <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it seems like they've changed the elevator, at least in the in the new modes, so that... That was a bug. Everybody needs to, like, before, you called the elevator, after 30 seconds or a minute or whatever, it arrives... And then you need to get in the elevator and activate the switch. And regardless of what's going on, if you're getting hit, if there are puppets in the elevator with you, whatever, if you are a human and you hit the elevator, the switch inside the elevator, you win the game. Um, it, they seem to have changed it so that everybody on the escaping team needs to be in the elevator and um, there needs people to be on the no... enemy team yeah. need to be not in the elevator. Uh, and Mortis, who claims uh incorrectly to be the best human player in puppet master uh was the human and i killed him i got the uh the execution animation i am the best human and the second best puppet player um no but even though he was dead after the match ended it said that the human escaped, uh, which sure escaped this mortal coil, maybe, 
but didn't escape the fucking Bodega Bay. I died in the elevator. Well, the body it is guy. weird because I die. I also was a puppet and I died in the elevator and I respawned. So I wasn't even in there that it should have. I don't think but, the puppets. Yeah, it it, it was weird. I don't know. Who knows? More research. Well, the human wouldn't want to leave the puppets behind. They're, they're have you seen any of the Puppet friends. Master movies? I mean, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking ideologically. <laughs> like, a, a true Puppet Master should not leave the puppets behind because they're the Puppet Master's wards. You know? There's supposed to be a, a companionship here. Check out Puppet Master of the game. It's like playing a Puppet Master movie. So let's get to the movies. You want to get to the movies? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. We watched some good movies. Here's what I'll, I'll say regarding Puppet Master before we move to the movies, but also related to the movies. Charles, where's Furnace Leech Woman? I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Was it supposed to, supposed to be, be this year? Well, he's okay. He's got some months. Anyway, it probably just means it'll premiere this year at some festival and then come out next I year. <laughs> Furnace Leech Woman is not premiering at a festival. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> some small thing. I don't know. Imagine, I mean, if imagine you, the if Furnace you set Leech up Woman a... cover with that little like olive branch <laughs> thing around it. Like... I'm more laughing because it'll probably be like 40 minutes long. Right. So. <laughs> be pretty short. You could, you could set up a white sheet and a $20 Amazon projector in your backyard and call it a festival. Good. Right. I don't think there's any governing body deciding what is and isn't a festival, right? No. I mean, Charles Band will get all of his. Charles Band will get all of his OnlyFans to girls. OnlyFans girls. OnlyFans to <laughs> get all his like OnlyFans girls together. Right. Gather up in the backyard, watch Furnace Leech Woman, and then interview the OnlyFans girl that was in the movie on his podcast, and then and then he'll release it. For thirty dollars on fullmoonproductions.com. We watched the whole wide world. Yeah. This was this nineteen ninety six ish? Uh ninety six ninety eight. Ninety six ninety eight? Okay. One of those? Thereabouts. Uh this is a not normally the type of movie I would enjoy watching. A uh, sort of period tragic drama romance but this is about uh my favorite author robert e howard his romance <laughs> and life and death uh what do you think of this slushy i have weird feelings about it because it's based on a book written by Renee Zellweger's character, who I've forgotten the name of. Yeah, his his best um, gal. Right. Who cheated on him. She did? 
she started going with the other guy. She wasn't cheating on him. Did you not watch the movie? <laughs> I watched the movie. Like, she wasn't satisfied with him, and he wasn't satisfied with her, and then he was real upset. Like, whatever. But I don't, I don't know. It's it's weird how much it was centered on her emotions regarding his death. Because, like, who was she really? Why do we care about her? That was, she only, was, that was like the incredibly, last incredibly movie, shitty to him. The movie is based on a book that she could somebody get her name <laughs> she wrote the book about her novel in price novel thank yes novel uh she she wrote price. the book about their relationship and as far as i know like this is like the second piece of howard like biography you know I don't know, biographical, whatever I've read. Cause the first, the, the Conan comics that dark horse was putting out in 2000 would always have like a, the aughts, they, they would have a little thing at the end, like a little snippet from Howard's life. And I assume most of that would have been pulled from this book. Right. Cause like, where, uh, where else, read those, so, where else but... would his biography have been like, I feel like this is the most his, detailed about his, his dad, life that we have, that book. This right, book. yeah. Like, his dad didn't really like him, and, like, we just sort of have his... I didn't even know he had a dad prior to... Like, I assumed his dad wasn't present, and he was barely present in the movie. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say his dad didn't like him. I felt like they were just two different breeds of men. Right. Very different. I feel like if his dad didn't like me, he would have kicked him out. Right. Especially so, during that era. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays Fantastic Howard. Man. He, I feel like this came out in the the era of like sling blades and you know, I guess just sling blade, right? Like, yeah. Like it seems like he's like almost playing it a little, like. You know, mentally handicapped a he's little. He's like over and around. He like he plays it in. He plays him very like almost simple-minded, but like he has like a lot of anger. He like he lopes around in a very characteristic way. <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it. Uh, it's I don't know if it's just a weird. It's it's a very interesting performance. I don't know, and it's it's consistent. It's it's fun to watch, I guess. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> but yeah, like Robert E. Howard, very interesting person, morose loner. I mean, you got to think about it. He's trying to be Robert E. Howard, who kind of supposedly was like that. Where Robert E. Howard, he's. This movie seems very personal to me because I'm a writer and I identify with it a lot more than like any other movie about writing and the shame that comes with it. And Robert E. Howard is like putting on an act of trying to be cool. And that's what he thinks kind of being cool is in a way. Right. Yeah. Like he, I mean, he has a sort of obsession with like, you know, tough, tough guys and 
a, a, right. a, a very like personal idea of masculinity and and that um and that comes through in the performance but you know he's he just has this like misanthropic distrust of society which you know it's a big clash with Novelin as she's a teacher uh very weird <laughs> relationship with his mother the movie I'm not sure there would have been a, another way to do it, but the movie kind of makes it seem incestual. Does anyone agree with that? <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like it was hinting at it, but didn't like cross that line because yeah. there's no proof in real life. Yeah, that there was some sort of incestual thing. Yeah, it was just like a mama's boy. Yeah, just like he's he takes care of his sick mother in a borderline romantic way and it's i mean again it's like this is all written from the perspective of a romantic <laughs> outsider like a, like a scorned woman yeah looking back on it so. yeah so and like she talks to the father at one point he's like he's that, that boy ain't right he has a wrong relationship with his mother or whatever he said uh I don't feel like this was like a particularly well-made movie like from the directorial standpoint like yeah there was like I mean, two things you kept saying it was like a TV movie it like, looked like it a is. TV movie there was there was that scene where where they were like driving at night and there they were there was like a fully bright spotlight on the driver's seat of the car that did not move yeah. <laughs> as they were driving the car. And it, it looked like a scene from a sitcom. And like, there was just some stuff in the script that was weird. Like there was that scene where the, all the school teachers were getting horny for the, who was that guy? Like the mayor or something like the head yeah, of the, the, the superintendent of the school. And like that never came back. Right. They never, no, but I think it was showing like what women liked at that time, right? And compared to Rob Reed Howard, who's like this fucking loser, <laughs> right? But like, because you got to remember for the audience's sake, and I don't know, slushing it, like he was getting published, but he was not making a lot of money. Yeah, it was. I mean, I I kind of assumed. I mean, he like, said he said it's like one of his first lines is uh, like a half a cent a word, right? Like it's he was. Barely, he only started making money when he fucking killed himself, basically. Right. And folks like Lynn Carter preserving his writings through the eras. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what else is? What else do I have to say about this movie? Um, I have something to say about the whole situation and the man and everything. Yeah. So it's just kind of like part of the past being the past mm -hmm. and people dying is that if the person's not around, you can't know them right? except through the memories of others. And everybody interprets the actions of a person in a different way. Um, now it's, it's a very complicated situation and I don't know. You know, don't come at me. But the way they portray him in 
this film is that he really doesn't like getting dressed up. He doesn't like acting as part of civilized society, you know, in big scare quotes. Um, but the most well-known picture of Robert E. Howard, the one used on like the back of books and the inside of slipcovers and on the Wikipedia article. And anytime you Google him, it's, it is this picture of him in a suit and a fedora and in the movie, which again is a dramatization of a dramatization of the memories of a second party. Uh, he, <laughs> sorry, Mortis put up a picture of the picture on a shirt, but it says Ron E. Howard and it's the funniest shit in the world. Anyway, <laughs> he is portrayed in the film as, as being really uncomfortable in that picture and doing it exclusively to make this woman who doesn't like him for who he is happy. I think that's a little and unfair like, to her, but a little bit. Yes. But she, again, in the movie, which is a dramatization of a dramatization of the memories of a second party. She very much gives off the vibes, uh, vibes of, you know, one of those women who are like, I can fix him, you know, which maybe that's unfair to her too, but that's how she's portrayed in the movie about the book that she wrote. So, well, take that as you will. Well, what are you, but what are you getting at here? It sucks. Like it sucks that. <laughs> I mean, I think it sucks. If that, I, if I can interject, that. I I think part of this is like any. I have a I have a bachelor's degree in history. Anytime you look at like old stuff, right? Like you can't put your own morals or whatever or current standards onto something else you know so i feel like you're doing that a little bit like, like a little bit like yes. awareness of you know you've never tried to impress someone that doesn't like you no <laughs> okay awareness of like because... mental health stuff has like come so far and just like the way you know like oh right the the amount that people are even capable of like understanding each other has like come so far since like the 1930s like i don't think you right. can like I, hold I understand hold her that. that much to the fire I'm, and, and i'm yeah and i'm i'm not i'm not trying to exclusively to her i just think that like the situation sucks and it's nobody's well it's probably a lot of people's faults but you probably couldn't blame them because of the time but like the fact that this image of this man that most people know when you when you say Robert E. Howard, who doesn't seem to even enjoy being called Robert, right in this film, oh. um, you know, like the fact that it's this picture that he took to impress somebody who, you know, again didn't quite accept him for who he is well on the, on the other hand you could look at it like she uniquely 
touched his life in a way that no one else did. You could also look at it that way, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Sure. For sure. Yeah. It just, and like, I, 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 I'm not entirely blaming her or the people around her or whatever. It just around him. I mean, it just, and this is more just a, a frustration at the way things work about like he's dead we can't know him we can't truly understand him because he ain't here no more but it really seems like that's not how he wanted to be represented and now it is and that just sucks and that's like i said it's not well, necessarily anybody any specific person i don't think or it's really that fault. what what is the problem like he took the photo to for her you don't like that I don't like that we can't know. I'm just frustrated about it. It's it's like the same thing where, you know, well, we have he know. never. It's like the same thing where historians are like he never married, but he lived with his lifelong friend for the until they died old and got buried together in the same yeah, plot. We're, we're never gonna know how he definitely gay wasn't Price gay. was, <laughs> which <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> and that's later. frustrating. Elon Musk, you need to stop uh. trying to go to space and underpay a bunch of people to invent time and travel instead uh and then kill yourself robert e. howard you will love world war ii i cried at the movie um slush, uh, you reminded me of something slushy with the the robert uh I, I should mention my cat is named after bob howard <laughs> bob howard my cat uh so, you know, this is, I don't know. This is personal movie. Not the greatest movie, but a fine movie. Some good performances. Yeah, I think if you like Robbie Howard, or if you're a writer, you should definitely watch this movie. Because, like I said, it captures uh, an angle that most of the time writing is, like, glamorized in Hollywood pictures and fucking... The town kind of treats him like an outcast and that it's shameful what he's doing. And those subjects are never touched on in any other movie that I've seen regarding writing. So, right. I mean, usually you just have like, um, you're to write my novel. Stop by right, the I, general store. <laughs> and what I fucking hate in most Hollywood movies is, oh, I wrote a book and now I'm instantly a millionaire. Right, like they just write one book, and for some reason it takes it. Like he right. fuck, he shows in this movie how hard it is and how uh, thankless it is in a way. And the people that like his writing hype him up as they would, but then the rest of the town and uh, literature people hate him. What did you think, Count, about the the way the uh, the film portrayed his writing? <laughs> like his act of writing. I don't know enough. Like, I don't know if that was an so, embellishment for the film or if that was a, a, re, a real I've fact read that he literally would imagine Conan standing behind him, telling him what to write. Because in, in the film, he's, he is saying what he's writing as he's writing it. And sort of like, almost like a rage. Right. He's now I don't know. His own writing. That's probably a drama. T- like a dramatization, but yeah, it feels like a, it feels like something they came up with, like as a way to get his writing into the movie. 
Yeah, and to make that scene probably a little bit more interesting and yeah. make it work that she actually can tell that he's there. Um, but supposedly, yeah, he would imagine his character standing behind him, talking to him. But who knows if he was really that robust with like screaming and yelling and I mean I I don't do that when I'm writing I just kind of it's quiet you <laughs> right. know <laughs> right that's all I've ever done I don't know any any other comments I it's just a it's an independent movie it's two hours long yeah it was a little long yeah it, it feels it but it's kind of cute. I teared up this time. The first time I saw it, I cried. Uh, but because I kind of knew where it was going, and I, I mean, you know where it's going, but because I already knew the movie, like I only were so teared up instead of full-on crying this time. But great movie for writers and Robert E. Howard fans. If you're not... Like I'm, I would love to find someone who likes romance movies, but not right. fucking has never heard of Conan the Barbarian and seeing what happens. Yeah, like after your first date, where you watch Retro Puppet Master, then you can watch a Whole Wide World on your second date. Yeah, and if you're a college kid looking for a cool movie to show your friends, probably not this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the new. This is not the new podcast angle. So, uh, sorry, but. You know, I say check it out if you're within the Targo audience that I said. On the other hand, if someone showed me this instead of Fight Club, I would think they were cool. You think they're what? Cool. Cool. Oh. Cooler than the Fight Club dork ass dipshit. Sure. Well, we're not we're not really selling Fight Club here. Fuck Fight Club. It's a fine movie. <laughs> Where's this coming from? Nowhere. I don't know. I'm being a shit. So, since I mentioned Vincent Price, I guess let's let's just jump. Let's jump around a little bit. Sure. Uh, we also we watched House on Haunted Hill. The uh, I had forgotten this was a William Castle movie. Um, um, famous shock master. <laughs> yeah. It, what did you I mean, count? This, I mean, I've seen this multiple times. This is, however, the clearest print I think I've ever seen. Usually, it's like a shitty right because this is uh, public domain, right? It is public domain, and usually there's like really shitty rips of it. And on Tubi, there's three different copies of this on Tubi, and one of them is clear, and the other two are not. So look for the clear one. We're looking this up. Was this the one that said "House on Hanuted Hill"? Was that on yeah. Tubi? Hanuted. H a n u t e d. That's the one you want. Yeah. If you start it and you see that, don't turn it off. You're on the right one. Yeah. Um. I I think uh, this was uh, the first. Vincent Price movie I saw like I got this on a DVD with Last Man on Earth which I think is also public domain that is and for like five bucks I've never seen the bat but (laughs) this is a good movie what the fuck episode did we watch matinee on uh the one that we like two or something like it was pretty early why for for more on what's William Castle, watch listen to that episode uh, where we talk about Matt Nay, which is kind of based on him. Anyway, right. 
Um, so the reason we watched this was because I wanted to watch a movie that was like another movie we'll talk about later, but real. Uh, and it was other than the scenes where women just screamed for five minutes. Uh, I thought this was really good. More on that later too. <laughs> yeah. A lot more women um, screaming. It was like, it was so weird. The, like the, the premise and the actions that the characters took were all so weird and surreal. And I think that made it very interesting and fun. Like at one point there. So the, the premise is that like people are coming to a, a weird house party from an, an eccentric man and his wife who are holding it at this house that one of the guests own and the hosts are renting. Um, where murders have happened like nine murders, I think is the number. Uh, at I think some it's point seven, they're all then at the end it's nine. <laughs> right. Okay. That may be why I remember that number, but, yeah. um, at some point, like Vincent price lays out seven coffins, tiny coffins, <laughs> tiny coffins that you would put like a, a premature baby in before you bury them. And maybe a rat. Yeah, a little rat coffin. Giving my pet rat a full Catholic funeral, um, and he opens them all up, and there's just a bunch of nine millimeter handguns that he that he gives one to each party member. It's very and cool. It's like, what the fuck is going on? There's a, a a vat of acid in a pit under the floor in the basement because some people were murdered in it and they just decided to leave it there. Like, how do you get acid out? It melts shit. You just got to leave it there (laughs) with glass probably, but I guess it's hard to siphon liquid through gas. Just just take it out one one cup at a time and throw it out in the garden. (laughs) It's such a fucking weird film. Everything about it is super weird, but like, it being William Castle, whose like whole thing was to just shock people, that makes a lot of sense. This is the ultimate Halloween I movie, I think. That yeah, if, yeah, if for sure. You know, if you're a college aged kid and you've never seen it, show this to your friends for sure. If you're over the college age tardy audience, um, <laughs> watch it if you've never seen it and put it on instead of Hocus Pocus for the love of God. Because it's safe. It's not like super scary or or edgy or nothing, but it's very entertaining. <laughs> Watch something else. It won't kill you. And it's very Halloween feeling. This hocus pocus thing is like so alien to me, but you keep <laughs> you keep year. Bringing... It's every year. I've yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen or thought about it since I was a baby and it came out. I don't know. Me too. It it hasn't been in my life. That's very bizarre. I'm sorry You're for both you. Both lucky. Yeah. Uh, I, Vincent Price, my favorite actor. Also, on the note of Robert Howard, my my favorite cat in my life was named Vincent Price. So, uh, his great performance in this. Him and his wife just hate each other. And they're like they're so cold and like clever and biting to each other in every scene. Like, I wish you would die, darling. 
maybe you will tonight. Like, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> so, Sasha, did you think they loved each other or what? <laughs> it was very funny watching them in the beginning. And I think now that a lot of similar relationships in films may have been somewhat mo- like uh, somewhat modeled on this relationship they felt very much like gomez and morticia adams in a way right but without like except actually wanted each other to die yeah like gomez but and they morticia were saying adams shit. are like like wiley e. coyote and the roadrunner <laughs> sort of right like <laughs> like if they're you, gonna if you took vincent stuff. if you took vincent price and the lady out completely and replaced it with basically well probably specifically Raul Julia and whoever uh and just said it was the Adams family you know you could <laughs> fool me pretty easily yeah it sort of they were energy. very fun they were very fun Vincent Price is cool. We got to watch some of the ones that he did with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, even though they're not very good. But we should, because are you talking about Scream and Scream again? Yeah, and like the House of something. That like comedy thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo. They're they're in like a comedy movie with Boris Karloff or something, aren't they? I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yes, yes, I think that's the House one. Okay. And uh, I think <laughs> yes, so thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo. Thank you, Slushy. Vincent Price and Peter Cushing have done things together, and then also with Christopher Lee. But those are like the ones that all of them are in. Yeah, like all three. Oh, well, I bet they've done things together. <laughs> Maybe Christopher Lee, but Peter Cushing is like famously a wife guy. That that was probably the only woman he was ever with. Interesting. Yeah, Vincent Price. We will never know how gay you were. Yeah. I like to think of him as, as a biking. So we can go back in time and figure out how gay Vincent Price was and then kill yourself. <laughs> like a seance and Vincent Price was probably. Thank you, Sorry, Gex. <laughs> Maybe we should have a seance. Just to ask Vincent Price how gay he was. I like that idea. I don't we know. could try it. Anything else about, <laughs> about this film? It's free. You can free. find it anywhere. Public it's domain. Movie. You'd trip over it. Did you like the skeleton at the end, Slushy? Yeah, that was really good. So, I meant to ask when we were watching this, um, was there like a, a gimmick for this in the theater? Do you know, Count? Like, uh, I know I, I know, know one of William Castle's movies, he like, literally like, had a skeleton on pulleys over the audience. Like, was that this, or... Uh, I don't know if it was. I should have looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime someone fell in the vas- vat of acid, one drip of hydrochloric acid was <laughs> would fall on a random audience member. <laughs> oh, watching it this time, and you know, I picked on it before, but it was like the clearest print. What's up with the monster arm? And you don't ever see more of the monster. That's a good it's just point. Like, yeah. It's just the arm for like five seconds. Yeah. Huh. The monster arm appears on screen, and then Maybe. an underpaid, underpaid fifteen-year-old runs out in a monster costume and runs through the aisle screaming, and everyone's screaming, and then they, and then he leaves. That could be it. Oh yeah, maybe. 
But there's a monster arm, and there's no monster, and it doesn't come back. And maybe, maybe the house really is haunted by a beast. Maybe. I think in the remake of this in the '90s with Jeffrey Combs, it's actually haunted. Oh, Jeffrey Combs is about. Yeah, I don't think I've seen like 25 years though. Is that the movie where the one girl uh, runs like flicks the string instrument and the the string breaks and flashes her in the eye? I don't know. I've seen it once and like I said, years and years ago. Whenever it came to video. I've seen, I saw that scene when my parents were watching it when it was new. And all I remember is like that happens, and then one guy freaks out and like grabs a shot glass off of the nearby bar and holds it over her eye, and he's like, "She's gonna go blind if the blood gets in her eye," or something like that. It's very. Uh, weird. I don't know. I think I remember where I saw it. I bet it's and, really like bad. the party that I was at, even as like a child. But I don't remember like much of the movie. They got like a pretty good Vincent Price lookalike for the film. I I wonder if. He acts like Vincent Price as well. Like he looks a little bit like the uh, the MC at the local wrestling show who does like a <laughs> sleazy sleazy lounge guy. Like he kind of looks more like that than Vincent Price. It's Jeffrey but... Rush doing it. Yeah. Maybe what, we'll is watch he it in anything else? Yeah, he's Barbosa in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh. Hmm. Have you seen those Mortis? I have, but he's like he's like an old dude in that. So. Yeah, he's pretty old. He's got all hair and like pirate stuff. So maybe hard, maybe hard we'll meet a Jeffrey Rush sound alike if we ever do the Pirates of the Caribbean Sea of Thieves stuff. I don't maybe. know. I've only done two missions of it. <laughs> Can you still do it? Yes, okay. it is the castaway that's on the beach. Is, oh, okay. is how you start it. Okay. Uh. So the movie that uh, is sort of a parody of House on Haunted Hill that we watched, uh, that we watched this first, so Celestia didn't really get it, <laughs> but Dark and Stormy Night by Larry Blamire from, uh, what, like 2011, I think, ish. Sounds right. Uh I I discovered this movie like I had heard of Lost Skeleton of Cadaver. I had like seen it at Blockbuster, you know, and I'd never rented it, but like I I discovered this movie because I was looking on the internet like the thing in Scooby Doo where they go by a painting and the eyes in the painting, someone's behind it and the eyes follow the person. <laughs> like I looked that up and I found a TV tropes page. So this is my one my one thing I give TV tropes a pass on, uh, I found that happens in this movie, and that's how I found it. So, <laughs> as you did, shout out to TV tropes for introducing Mortis to this movie, who introduced it to us. You get if one you, pass if you want to be a cool college kid. Show us your friend. <laughs> this is true. Yes, especially show them back to back if you show. Do a double feature. Yeah, yeah. movies. There you go. Instead of Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus Two. <laughs> so be, my issue. I'll be right back. You guys talk about this for a sec. 
this sure. this movie was very fun um it doesn't know when to end a joke sometimes but other times it's good i don't know some of the some of the jokes are like they just go on and on and it only works one time because it like is funny and then it gets annoying and then it wraps around to being funny again because it's like how are they still doing this gag yeah i noticed that too <laughs> i at first watching it i was like uh i don't know but then like a few minutes in, i was like okay this is good and then as it got longer and longer, I was like, this is really good and really good. So I was enjoying it the longer it went. Yeah. They do this thing where they're like introducing new characters into the house and um everyone's like like someone will knock on the door and be like, My car broke down down the road. Uh and you know, the bridge got washed out and we I I can I stay here until the storm passes and they're like, Oh yeah, sure. Whatever I guess. And then someone knocks on the door and they do it again. And then someone knocks on the door and then they do it again. And I think it happens like four or five times. Yeah. Happens. Happens a lot. until our entire cast is in the room in the house. Uh, yeah. The plot of this movie is a bunch of strangers are gathered together in a mansion. There's also a reading of a will going on and they all want, the will, or they won't all want to be the sole inheritor, essentially. Yes. Yeah. That and is like the plot. The... <laughs> Just explaining in brief, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it's very silly. There are, every character is like a stereotype of that type of character in a film like this. The This movie kind of feels like, to me, like every actor kind of like wrote their own stuff because like every character <laughs> does a different style of comedy basically yeah <laughs> like or, like every character or every duo of characters like there's the there's the two reporters who are kind of like one character there's the cabbie who's like kind of his own thing and then you know everyone everyone has their own like style of joke that they sort of keep doing throughout the movie <laughs> it's like it's kind of and, weird and the best character is the director of the film, who also plays a guy who speaks in pretty deadpan monotone and keeps popping up at weird times. And it's just, it catches you off guard every time. And it's really fucking funny. Yeah, like his, his introduction, when, when he comes in the door, he's like, gee, hello. Uh, I'm here because my car broke down. And not because I want to hear the reading of the will. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> it just, <laughs> he just kind of has that. Uh, one of the, one of the cadence. best things, if you don't want to be spoiled for a pretty funny joke, mute for 30 seconds, but like, um, people start dying off and the two reporters find this guy slumped over in a chair with a knife in his, like clutching a knife to his chest and they're like slowly approaching him like is he dead did he die and then he just picks up and says he's like oh gee uh can you make out the letters on this <laughs> i tried to make out the letters on this knife and they're just so small it's really good they're all great characters uh doing their own thing james karen's in this from return of the living dead 
poltergeist. Yeah, that's a an, an interesting connection. I had never realized he's what Frank in Return of the Living Dead. Is that uh, the yeah the main yes. the like kind of the main guy besides the main guy, <laughs> the main old guy. He's the main old guy. Yeah, yeah. he looks pretty different in this. I, I like I wouldn't have recognized him at all. And he I, also he's the does guy the voice of like, Doctor Venture. You said no, no. Doc, I said Doctor Ven- the voice of Doctor Venture would have fit perfectly in this movie. Is what oh, I was you're thinking. talking about something else. Like, oh, okay. He's done bit roles like this. Yeah, he should have been in this. Um, is Frank the one that's like that always works in the movies? Are you telling me the movies lie in Return of the Living Dead, or is that the other guy? Well, Freddy is Tom Matthews, who was a young guy who says the movies lied. Frank was old in Return of the Living Dead and even older in this movie. The old guy who wheels himself into the incinerator. Right? That oh, guy. okay. Okay. Yeah, that guy. And he's always like, ah! He has a great scream. Right, yeah. Yeah, his, I recognized him in this as, like, you know, briefly, but then, like, once I heard him talking, his voice is the same. And it's like, holy shit. James Karen. Did he play the old dude with the girl who was always screaming and fainting? Yes. There's okay. Yeah. Uncle whatever. Yeah. The uncle. Okay. Um sitting on the couch for most of his screen time. On on the <laughs> He I mean he lived to yeah. like be 94, so he was probably like this is 2009, so he's like 84 years old in this, you know. Yeah. It's understandable. On on the note of what I, the style of the humor in the movie, I feel like the one, the one character who kind of falls flat in this is the like fortune teller lady. Like yeah. her, her style of humor is just kind of like, Oh, you, you look like a, a monkey with a light bulb on his head. Like, it's just this real, like random, Kind of <laughs> just like nonsense. Luckily, she's not in the movie, Monk. Yeah, it doesn't really hit for me. She's not. She's not really in the movie that much. Like that's. I feel like. Uh, did you guys talk about Lost Skeleton at all? How you hate it, Count? <laughs> uh, I I can't say I hate it because I didn't finish it. I I tried watching it. I I said the slushy that like this movie started off. And it took me like a few minutes to really get into it because I was like, ah. But then, like, I by the end of the movie, I loved it. So as it got on and on and on, I liked it more and more. And maybe yeah. I need to do the same with all skeletons. Yet you, you have to be in a good mindset for this movie. Yeah. And if you're a miserable prick like <laughs> me, you have to like let yourself enjoy a movie to enjoy something like this. I I feel like Larry Blamire's stuff. Like some like some of it always falls super flat for me, but then like a lot of it is very very funny. Um, at least in the, this movie and Lost Skeleton of Cadavera, uh, I think Lost Skeleton Returns again is like ninety nine percent super flat for me. So like I haven't really bothered watching. I, I what is it? Like the trail of the screaming forehead or something. I think I, I haven't watched that one, but I haven't even heard of that one. Um, 
I, when we started watching this movie and up to a point, I was not enjoying myself at all. I thought it was incredibly dumb and like there wasn't a script and people were just trying to be funny. You know, you know, that thing where like you're hanging out with friends and it's really funny to you, but it's never going to be funny to anybody else. Yeah. like That's what it felt request. like. <laughs> yeah. That's what it felt like up until the point. Up till the point where, do you have the letter? Do I have the letter? You have the letter. I don't have the letter. Do you have the letter? And they did that for five minutes where, it, like, I mentioned, I mentioned account, like, while you were gone, that this joke just likes to do the same joke for too long. Yeah. And that one, that one, it was like, it was funny for a moment and then it immediately got boring. And then it wrapped around to being funny again because it was absurd that yeah. they were doing it so long. I, and it, it, it just kind of put me in the mood for the film's style of humor. I think that Blameyer's humor is like somewhat dad style, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, and like you have to, you have to like know what the joke is ahead of time. Like I showed the last people I showed lost skeleton to like, just thought it was actually a 50s movie like they they thought like most of them were like what is going on why is this movie so stupid <laughs> like not like there it's not these aren't like comedy movies you know it's not like the hangover where there's like jokes <laughs> like it's it's, like, it's, it's, it's like very much a parody a yeah it's just like a very particular kind of humor that uh, like it it will either hit or not i think and then like probably not all of it will hit it's it's very interesting i don't know you know now that i think about it you're absolutely right because the gorilla kept showing up and doing nothing yeah and that is basically the monster arm in house on it is yeah yeah like there's just where it shows just up a gorilla once. right for the like sake the monster of arm shows up once nothing happens with it and it's never talked about again and then in this like a gorilla shows up i think three times and it's barely acknowledged by the people in the film and, and then the film the, just uh, continues the creepy daughter which is like the weird blonde wife yeah right yeah it's like that yeah it's yeah good film this this is the space balls of, <laughs> of this type of the film. space balls of house on haunted hill house yeah. balls house balls. uh all right moving on uh here's a movie that really made me mad <laughs> mayberry man from 2021 fuck you mdb <laughs> Friend of the show, MDB100, screened this. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't at, like MDB. at the recommendation of somebody, I don't know. Uh, what a what a weird movie this is. God, um, I had never heard of this. I think Burpo recommended it. So fuck you, Burpo. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't racist. It wasn't problematic enough to be a Burpo film. I don't know. It was. I'm having inside a problem jokes. with it. Um, inside jokes for a wide audience so, of three people who don't know what we're talking about. 
this was a movie that was funded on Kickstarter for some reason Somehow. to to make a a wholesome movie for the family, which pays tribute to the Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> it's um, wow, it's bad. It's if you've ever seen a Lifetime movie uh, or a Hallmark movie, this is. Basically one of those, but like without the payoff of anybody falling in love. Also um, worse. And yes, and much like worse. Production wise like, and yeah, worse. Like So the the plot of this movie is a big Hollywood star is uh sentenced he, he does a little crime in a little town and he is sentenced to attend the Mayberry festival uh which celebrate which is like a week-long festival celebrating the andy griffith show because his the character's father who i don't believe refers to a real actor who existed like this is the <laughs> right right you're right you're right the character oh, really, so the character real. the character like chris pine or something i think is his Andrew, I don't know. Chris Pine's a real person, right? Something. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was Kirk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the character has a dad who's fictional, who in the universe of the film was in a few episodes of the Andy Griffith Show. So, in the universe of the film, the character of the dad had in the past been at the festival. So they thought it would be a good thing for the son to be there. To represent his dad, who wasn't actually in the show, really, <laughs> didn't really exist. And furthermore, the dad is not a character who has an actor. Uh, the, the dad is alive in the film, and the dad dies during the film, but he is never on camera. Yeah, he's he, is, he is spoken presence. to on the phone, and we don't hear a voice from I think that's a gag, because in the show, they had unseen characters. You think it's a gag? I I I feel like it is a gag based off because in the Andy Griffith show they had characters that like you would never see and only talk and hear on the phone and things like uh, that. But you would hear them. I don't think you heard the dad at any point. I don't. I don't no. think. I I think that's giving the movie too much credit. Um. So I, I admire your hatred for this. This is so fucked up and bad. <laughs> like, I don't understand who this is for. Like, okay. So, I like the Andy Griffith show pretty well. My Like, the generation before me in my family, I would say, loves the Andy Griffith show. So, I've seen a lot of episodes. On that note, the two... there's Okay, there's three impersonators of Andy Griffith character characters in the movie and uh there's there's a there's a gomer pile who shows up for like two scenes uh there's a barney who's a very major character and there's a floyd the barber who is a very major character and i've seen a lot of andy griffith episodes i don't know who the fuck floyd the barber is like <laughs> he must he must well, not have been on that many right he must not have been on that many episodes i guess or ever been that important because i didn't know who this guy was like i know floyd the barber is a nirvana song <laughs> right? so, but 
the the guy playing him in this like sounds more like Norm Macdonald. Like he does that kind of like nasally thing Norm would go into sometimes. Except he does it all the time. He's like and me flying 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 the barber. And that's like that's not how the character talked. He just no, sounded like an old guy, like a little bit of a spacey old guy. Ding, 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 give you a little uh, trim. Like it's it's so fucking annoying. And like <laughs> these these impersonator <laughs> characters in the movie, they they like they introduce themselves to the main character like the main character, he shows up and he hates it. And the thing he's doing on the poster here where his arms are crossed, like that's just him for the whole movie. Like he's not into it. He hates being there. The characters introduce themselves to him and we're like, we're supposed to be like laugh because it's like, oh, they don't, he's not into it, you know, <laughs> but like, like he's lame. He's super lame. So I don't, he's a horrible character. For him. He's just. His arc Gun. sucks. He gets upset when people <laughs> don't recognize him. He just sucks. Yeah, like the oh god. Um, I was describing this plot to Slushy like after the fact because Slushy missed. I was getting mad, and I'm getting mad again. <laughs> like this, <laughs> yeah, this movie that. is so fucking bad. Like, so all of the impersonator characters like stay in character. For the whole movie, like they introduce themselves to the main character, and they're like, uh, "I'm Barney, uh, but my my name's really Steve. But call me Barney." Uh, like they never leave character. It's really bizarre. Like <laughs> the way they like they leave the festival at at points. They they leave the festival entirely, and they're still acting and doing the same voices. And they're still in character. And at like at the end of the film, the Floyd and Barney visit the character in LA and they're still doing the character. <laughs> but like we're it's so bizarre and frustrating. <laughs> and, and like Okay, so the arc of the main guy is that he gets fed up and he just he he drives off. He's like, fuck it, I'm leaving. And he almost hits a turtle and he he ends up at the Mayberry Trading Post, which is this old abandoned little shop. And there's like an old guy behind the counter and he's like Sometimes the thing you're looking for is the thing that's right in front of you or some shit. And like for some reason for some reason, for no discernible fucking reason at all, the guy does a one eighty and he's like, oh, I'm into Mayberry, actually. Mayberry's good, and it's about something that America has lost. or something. Like, it's... But, like, he's still not that into it? It's so... Ah! <laughs> well, the good news is there's going to be a Mayberry Man TV series or web series. Five episodes. They're airing now at local festivals. Um, we're going to have to find out in the sequel series. It's, like... It's so bad. And he, like, he has this like real half-assed attempt at romance with the lady who runs the festival, who's barely in the movie. And like, they go on a date at the, like the local Applebee's like that is in the movie like seven times because like the movie paid for the movie has like three locations. The, the Applebee's like paid for half the movie on Kickstarter or something. And like, uh, <laughs> they go on this date and he's like, Hey, uh, 
How come you're not married? I don't know. Never found the right person. How, how about you? Yeah, me too. Oh, hey, I'm getting a phone call. I got to go do the festival. Oh, oh, cool. Okay. And, like, that's the whole date. And, like, that's their whole relationship. Like, they, nothing comes of it. Uh, uh. <laughs> Shit, like, Mortis. Here's, here's what would be good. So, the weird, one of the weird things about this movie. There's no Andy Griffith in it. Like, there's no Andy Griffith impersonator. There's no... And they almost... I think... They must say it once, right? But, like, they never... <laughs> they have to have said Andy Griffith once in the they movie, right? I, I, I wonder if there was, like, a rights thing or something. But, like, I think a normal movie like this would have had the the main character, like, grow into Andy's role or something. And then, like, Barney could have been, like, Oh, Ange! Oh! You're not Ange. Sure you, like, you're acting so much like Andy Griffith. I called you Ange. You, like, you know, right. and then like some character growth in that direction, but like nothing happens. It's so bad. <laughs> this movie sucks shit on Andy's every level. I'm collected, right? That's what I yeah remember from the show. He's and, like, he's, he's wholesome and he's laid back and he's always right and he always has like a right. little piece of wisdom. It's not like a piece of shit like this guy was. So for him to become laid back would be an actual arc and good. Yeah. And you're right. That a much smarter, better meta commentary would have him grow into Andy's character. <laughs> it's, but they had, like Andy's not even acknowledged as existing. Yeah. It's just uh, horrible. Um, <laughs> horrible. I have a couple of notes because, like Marta said, I didn't see it. Uh, you have notes but... on this? Well, on the discussion that's being had. Oh, okay. Um, like Mortis said, this was kickstarted. Hundred and fifty one thousand one hundred eighty one dollars split between eighty or eight hundred people. Um, there were a couple of uh reward tiers that sold out, like being having product placement and being in an extra uh, being an extra. Uh, two backers backed at ten thousand dollars, which I believe is probably the not Applebee's or whatever, and supercuts, which Mortis mentioned to me privately. Great clips, like showed up. Great clips, yeah. Sorry, appeared in the uh film multiple times. There was also a backer level called the Loaded Goat Burger level, two hundred dollars. Three people backed it. That was all the slots left, where you could have a burger named after you for two weeks at the loaded goat sports pub and grill, <laughs> which is weird. Um, weird that three people paid $200 for that. I guess they're probably locals, uh, to Mount Airy. Um, this was written and directed by Stark Howell. A lot of howls who, in the Kickstarter credits, by the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Real family um, thing. But this was written and directed by Stark Howell, who in 2018 in real life attended an Andy Griffith festival representing his father, Hoke Howard, or Hoke Howell, sorry, who did appear in two episodes of the Andy Griffith show as Dud Wash. Um, so a little, a little nugget of truth in, in the fiction of this film. Uh, Based on his own also, experience. Yeah, and then also I I decided to look into Floyd the Barber because you said you've seen a lot of episodes. Yeah. Um, 
in the 249 episodes of the show, he appeared in 81 of them, so about a third. Okay. So that's believable that, that, that I would, a decent would have missed then. him. Yeah. Most of this movie I, takes place in a community center and they're just signing autographs. Yeah. <laughs> There's a like, lot of like standing, a in, call. standing in the park in front of City Hall in this little town. The guy that plays Floyd the Barber in this, his name is Alan Newsom, and apparently he does this. Like, it's not... He's like a professional Floyd impersonator? Yes. <laughs> so, that's he's, like... He should be he a wasn't, Norm impersonator. He should! Be better at that. We should write some Norm jokes and we fucking pay him a few bucks to read them. <laughs> Keep Norm alive. Uh, it's just, it's such a, such a, like, Reddit wholesome. That's what Slushy said. <laughs> Slushy has, Slushy has like said that about other so, things. It's like, made. Yeah, it's, I don't know who the audience of this is, because it, like, it doesn't have enough Andy Griffith stuff to really be, like, good for Andy Griffith fans, and it doesn't have enough anything to be good for anyone <laughs> like it can't it couldn't be a lifetime movie it couldn't be like it's it would bore the shit out of any living family like it's it's just so like do nothing just, toothless go nowhere we'll make a better movie than this yeah it's anyone anyone could it's this is like my new my new second least favorite movie <laughs> replacing quicksand and it's it's you're right it is toothless and it's not it's not so bad that it's even interesting like some movies are yeah it's just just weird and frustrating and yeah like embarrassing <laughs> i don't know i don't think i hate it as much as you which is surprising but i mean maybe i hate it more because i like andy griffith could be. Like I, you know, I don't love Andy Griffith. Like I love Gilligan, but I like Andy Griffith pretty well. I just feel like <laughs> I just feel like this failed on every level. It, it let me down. I don't know. I, don't watch it. Yeah, don't watch this one. Not in, not even as a curiosity. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> don't do it. it. Take take our word for it. So here's here's the the anime minute. We don't have to do it in a minute, but we watch Vampire Hunter D. This movie was incredible. Had you seen this, Slushy? Nope. Did you see this? Did you pay any attention? Or were we Yep. Okay. Didn't like it. No? I I loved it. I thought it was it was cool and it made me want to read the manga. It there felt manga? like Yes, it felt like there was too much information trying to be compressed into 90 minutes or however long it was. Uh, so had you read the manga? No. Oh, I you have. kept saying like, oh, it's so condensed. I thought you had read it. Were you like reading about it? No, it, so it's just talking about the movie. Like, right. Yeah, the movie just feels like like there are scenes in this 
where it just feels like they're they are trying to hit the beats of the manga in the time they have like when he uh like he when he first enters, how do you know the beats of the manga though i don't i'm i just know movies that have been made on mangas and that the things that they have left out okay because they didn't matter (laughs) like they left everything in maybe right like the scene where he you know when he first breaks into the castle to save the one girl and he's running out and there's all these like unique vampires with unique powers it's like it feels like each one of them had their own chapter in the manga, but in this, they're like literally five second fights. There's no point to those characters being in the film because they do nothing for the film, but it feels like they were characters in the manga that fans would be upset. Didn't appear. So they shoved them in. It's, is, it's is weird. The manga like that happens a lot of times. Amano? I don't know. Cause like the, the famous illustrator of Vampire Hunter D is, uh, I think, Yoshitako Amano, who... The illustrator the is Final Amano, Fantasy and the author is... Artist. Yeah, the illustrator is Yoshitako Amano, and the author is Hideyuki. Famous, famous artist who draws everybody, like, really, like, wispy, and they all look exactly the same. Uh, so most of the time I watch something, and I do know the source material, if mm-hmm. I'm going to be, like trying to get into it so not knowing the source material i love this movie uh so maybe it is making me empathize with people who go and see the latest shitty comic movie and they love it and i'm like what do you (laughs) what the fuck's wrong with you so (laughs) you're shedding some light on me in that sense slushy and i appreciate it because i i love this so i guess it wasn't a manga is actually a 282 page novel that oh, got that adapted makes into this film. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it, it, it just feels like they are trying to fit everything from the book into the movie where like, a lot of movies change things so that the movie feels better or like uh, flows better. Yeah. Just to synopsize it a little bit, it's like you, you've thrown into basically like a post-apocalyptic world, but not really. Like technology exists, but it's also sort of medieval. Uh, there's mutants. There's it's like ten thousand years. In there's the vampires. There's werewolves. Uh, the main the main character, I guess, who isn't D, is uh, a werewolf hunter. Like also sort of like a small farmer, I don't know, but like it's just like a very, you know, the kind of society you would expect to see like in gothic horror. But also there's some technology and there's mutants with powers like X Men, uh, and then there's vampires, and I don't. It's it's like a really interesting. It's like a cool world, uh, and I don't know. It's just. I'm kind of I'm middle of the books. road on this thing. Fifth, what? Fifty three books? Yeah. Really? Apparently. Yeah, there's a lot of books. Jeez. And this is only based on the first one. Yes. Wow. Yeah. There's there's a there's a Count Magnus Lee who's kind of like a vampire or like a grandpa style vampire. <laughs> He's like a grandpa esque Dracula guy. Uh, now. 
so there's one other Vampire Hunter D OVA, and I don't, I don't suppose. Careful if you don't want spoilers. Am I imagining that at some point they reveal that D is Dracula, like the historical Dracula? You are thinking of because that happens. It happens in Helsing. <laughs> yeah, I think you're thinking of Helsing. But I think it. I feel like it also happens in this, right? Like maybe that's the sequel well, anime. He's just the son of Dracula or something. Maybe. Well, I, in this movie, the one, the like main vampire because he's D. Like, you're, yeah, you're Dracula's son, aren't you, or whatever? Hmm. But okay, I don't, I guess I don't know. I guess they in, leave in it the ambiguous. movie. It's definitely not explicit. I'm, yeah. I'm maybe just thinking of Helsing. I don't know. Is D in Helsing? Definitely Dracula. No, but Dracula is. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> so, little spoiler for that. Uh, he has I like thirty-three. <laughs> he has what? He has thirty-thirty. Vampire Hunter D does robot. What is robot that? horse? Thirty-thirty is the robot horse from uh, Brave Star cartoon. The oh. worst toy ever made by human hands. Uh, and it's kind of a shitty show. Brave Star's cool. I don't know, but uh, the horse. Have we watched any Brave Star Mortis? Maybe one episode. Yeah, I've shown one episode when we've when I've been showing cartoons. I don't know if you were there or not. Planet Texas. I don't, I don't remember it. But I don't. Yeah, what is this? Eighty nine ish. I'm guessing. Uh, eighty five. And the oh, English dub is from the nineties. Um, play Vampire Hunter D on the PlayStation. It's a great game. It's very hard though. I've been trying to play it, and uh, if you're a dumb dumb like me, still give it a try. It's really fun. If you're if you're into games that have tank controls and stationary cameras, it is fan fucking tastic. One of the best ones. You should watch this movie. It's on the Internet Archive is where I got it's, it. Uh, and it's pulpy, you know? It is pulpy. And, like, the yeah. fact that there's, I guess, 58 novels kind of yeah, makes me feel better about saying that. <laughs> like, D is a, he's like a real pulpy kind of protagonist. He has, I just, you know, I love my Solomon Kane-dressed characters, and he fucking yeah. is. Like, you just, I don't know. Here's one thing I'll say. Uh, the dub... D's voice is definitely not what I was expecting. Yeah, I don't remember. I I don't know what he sounds like in Japanese. I fully expected him to be like deep voice and only speak, you know, a few words at a time kind of deal. But he's very verbose and just sounds like a regular fucking dude. And that's weird. I think it's a I think it's a Solid classic of anime. I don't know. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, college kids, show it to your friends. They'll love it. Yeah. You're sitting there. You're watching all 5,000 episodes of One Piece. Right. Uh, take time to watch something that is different. They're not watching Please. all. They they have it on 3x speed while they're A lot studying. of penny shots. You'll love it. <laughs> Almost constant penny shots, yeah. So count. That's, that's 80s OVAs, baby. You showed wrong turn. Yeah, I thought this sucked. You did? Yeah, I don't know. 
like thinking about it, like sitting on it more. It's this is also though pulpy, and while we were watching it, I was saying it seems like a book Mortis and I would read. We'd pick up at like the dollar store, or, like thrift shop. Right. It, it it feels very. It does everything you want it to, but it had no surprises for me, which is why I think it's kind of shitty. But it's not. It's not awful you, or nothing. Did you show this after House on Haunted Hill? When did you show this? This was uh, after before. Vampire Hunter D, right? That same night. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think. Oh, you, yeah, I yeah. think you started Vampire playing Hunter Skyrim D. or something, and I. Yeah. I was up with intestinal distress, so I watched Wrong Turn. I didn't watch any of it. It, you know. I'm not that into horror. Um, this is a horror film where some people make a wrong turn in the forest into inbred super cannibal ter- territory. Yeah. There's like what three or four? I don't. I think it's three or four. They were the most interesting characters, the cannibals. We barely. There's, yeah, there's three or four like super super capable, super strong cannibals. Who I don't think ever speak. They just kind of go. Yeah, they kind of grunt to each other. Um, That's about it. Is this like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Hills Have Eyes type situation? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. It's um, meant to be a throwback to that type of movie. The the main characters are all real uninteresting, real yeah. unlikable. When did it? When did it come out? Early uh, aughts. Yeah, 2003, the big era of DVDs. I remember seeing this DVD on the shelf like all the time. 2003, me too. Never really. um, You sure it's meant to be a? You sure it's meant to be a throwback to those types of movies and not like trying to capitalize on the remakes of those movies that were coming out in the 2000s? Yeah, this was 2003 though, so it was like before that. Oh, okay. Um, I want to say Hills Have Eyes. Uh, it was like 2007 the remake or six, right? I don't know. I don't. I don't really. It really seems remember. like the 2000s was like a a real big renaissance yeah, for horror films. And 2003, yeah. Like every House one on of Hunted them Hill. sucks ass. <laughs> it? Every one of them sucks ass. Yeah. Um. The the home, the DVD home video reboom of the late 90s and 2000s. Yeah. Um big for horror, big for lousy horror, but there's like 7 of these now. I'm I think you said count. Yeah, they just keep making them. Which the, is like they just all of the have like a cult instead of cannibals though. Oh, so okay. I don't know what the deal is with that. Like all the all the dudes in this movie perish presumably, but I mean, yeah. you know, when do they not in a horror movie, I guess? Uh, have, do you do you guys ever talk about how horror like is super cheap to make and everybody makes it and ninety nine percent of it sucks shit? Do we talk about but, it? Well, I mean, like, I feel like I feel like horror as a genre is where shitty directors go to make shitty movies constantly, and everybody watches them anyway. Because horror fanatics can't get enough of dog shit. Maybe. Sure. What's your point? Yeah. I don't know. Horror. <laughs> makes me, horror the horror genre makes me mad sometimes. I know, it all I mean, there's no... seems really bad. A lot of it. Like I didn't I I'm didn't not... think this was bad. I like no, I was being too harsh on it with the, my opening statement. The thing that I I had seen like I had I had flipped to this on 
cable like a long time ago. Um, and I, I don't think I realized I knew it was a wrong turn movie. I don't think I realized it was the first one, but the, the part I had seen before was the part like they, they escape captivity. I guess there's like six. I missed like the first 10 minutes of the movie. I guess there's like six guys and two of them get killed real quick. And then, yeah. Anyway, um, the, the ones who escape the, into the woods, they find like this big clearing of like hundreds of abandoned cars with like all this shit torn out of them and all the tires. Like, I think that's a pretty effective part. I don't think they, I don't think they milked it for all it was worth. Cause like, they just kind of get there and they're like, Oh geez. Oh, now they're here chasing. (laughs) It's like, I think they could have have spent a little more time there and like, yeah, had like an actual confrontation of some kind there. But like, like that's a, that's like, I didn't think this was very scary. That part was scary. Like that part made, it was effective. It was a good part. I agree um, with you. I don't think this was very scary. This also feels toothless. It, it felt like a horror movie. It it was basically just like an action movie with people who were screaming and miserable. <laughs> like it didn't, yeah. it didn't really feel like a horror movie. I can't yeah. remember any of their names, which is bad. Yeah. Uh, usually in a horror movie, you might know one of their names, right? Some sort of standout yeah. character. And uh, and this is just... They're just so boring. Our heroes they're real, are real survivors. unlikable characters who have nothing going on. <laughs> None There's of real them. Real blank slates. There's that one guy like in the... In the car scene, that one guy's like, oh, I'm going to distract him. It's a classic military tactic. <laughs> or so, like, <laughs> had it been, like, established that that guy was, like, ex-military or something? Because he didn't, like, that wasn't part of his character. No, it was just, like, a just really stupid line. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Especially when I was first showing this, I was playing Sonic Adventure in the corner. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it kind of, of my, makes me regret that I didn't. Most of my chat got really fucking pissed. Because I was playing it probably for like the first ten or fifteen minutes, <laughs> I would have defended you and made sure you played it the entire way through. You could hear just mostly Sonic over the movie. <laughs> I, I missed that old part. I uh, want to apologize to horror fans. I'm not. Hmm? I don't know. I have. No, well, you don't have to like horror. It's okay. No, like I. I want to explain myself a little bit. I have a lot of resentment for the horror genre because of video games, because there's a ton of very talented indie creators who just make horror games and only horror games. And like, please make things in other genres. Please. I'm begging you. Oh my God. HIO is like a twin stick shooter. I am begging you. Please. Anything like HIO is the best the the bastion of fucking indie development and it is 90% horror games like fucking make a kingsfield make a make a fucking rpg maker game that isn't a horror game do anything please well i'm begging you it's easy to please horror fans and I know. to please I, fans of any can, other genre i can tell but so. like <laughs> there's so many horror games that are like very visually appealing and very mechanically appealing and then it's just like oh you're in a gas station and there's a killer and it's like come on do something please like that stretch your legs a little i mean i don't disagree with you because even on twitter 
fucking earlier today, I was scrolling through and there's like a tweet and it's like, my dog's been barking at this window every night. And last night I flashed a picture and it's like a bird, like, like a creepy looking bird or something. It's like, come on. Like, like, this is so scary. Oh my God. You, I don't know how you always top yourself. The back rooms. Let's not get right. on that. So I, I could really get into it slushy, but it just makes me sound bitter. So I don't really. If, if Look. anybody wants to understand how we feel, <laughs> spend 10 minutes Listen to on reddit.com slash r slash two sentence horror and see sure. how popular some of those posts are and how fucking stupid they are. Well, horror sells and sex sells, so, you know. Make more sex games, then, please. Maybe. Anything. I think there's... Yeah, Probably a lot of those, maybe, too. Yeah. A lot of bad sex games. So, a lot of bad sex horror games. Here's yeah. a here's a sex horror movie. Uh, the Third Eye. Italian lot, film. A lot of screaming women in this one. Yeah. Yeah, this movie was frustrating. I was it was it's a similar situation to the original Godzilla. I wasn't really paying full attention, if any attention at all, and it isn't in English. But goddamn. Is it if it isn't literally fifty percent of the film women screaming? Then I don't, I don't know what. I don't think it was that much. It was so much though. It was so much. It seemed interesting. I kind of wish it had been Terrence Hill instead of this dude because he kind of looks like Terrence Hill, and I know that (laughs) he was Django. I know that he was Django, but I think Terrence Hill played a better Django in Trinity anyway. Uh. You know, They're like the same goddamn person. They're both Italian actors from the '60s. It's fine. But Terrence Terrence Hill has such beautiful eyes. Well, so does Franco Nero. Yeah, so does Franco Nero. They're both handsome. They're this, okay. This I didn't get a lot of the like. Okay. <laughs> I get. I I I could totally believe Terrence Hill loving men. What? And that makes me happy. Oh. In my brain, <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine Franco Nero doing the same. Yeah, Franco's okay, Franco's like a, a little more guy. a little more rugged. So okay, I didn't get a whole lot of the plot of this movie um, because of the little language issue. Um, but Count, as we were watching it, Count would frequently say, "This is such a fucking good looking movie." Uh, it is. It, it does have a lot of very striking cinematography. It's hard it's not to be pretty. striking when you're you have the camera. On Franco Nero, <laughs> but like that too, yeah. I don't Doesn't know. It's just even... kind of a. I can explain the plot of this movie. Sure. Yeah. Synopsize it because it's. Uh... I mean, it's kind yeah. of slushy. Obvious. Well, Synopsize it, Cam. Slushy. <laughs> I'll do it. There's there's a maid who did a murder, and there's a a man who she manipulated into doing more murders, and it became like a weird mother figure like murder mother figure thing that's that's my take on it that's mostly it there's a he's a count and he lives with his mother who is a countess and he has a fiance and the maid is podcast and i am a count here the maid is jealous of the fiance so she arranges to cut her brakes which kills the fiance and while the fiance is dying she kills the countess leaving franco nero the count to depend on her 
uh, he slowly loses his mind and he starts like hiring dancers and hookers, brings them back to his house and he kills them. Eventually, the fiance's sister comes back into the frame of the story and he she's played by the same actress as the fiance, so he just views her as literally the same person and it kind of really mentally snaps him. You know, it's a very simple... For a fucking Italian horror movie, very, very simple, easy-to-follow plot. And you generally don't like Italian horror. I Yeah, I usually do not. This remind What is the fucking movie that this reminded me of? Like, um... Like Black Sunday or something? Does that ring any bells? Can yeah, that is, it is like Black Sunday. Yeah. yeah, that's Argento. Is that true? Is it the guy who directed uh diabol diabolic <laughs> diabolic i think it might be that guy um i think it is yeah i think it is that guy the diabolic guy anyway this reminded me of black sunday bava, bava yeah um it's yeah just kind of like stylish slow yeah he did diabolic semi gothic yeah we got to watch that do i love that movie um yeah i don't know it's black and white so there's no there's no lurid colors it's, <laughs> black and white. it's in italian if that's gonna bother you maybe not watch it but if you're looking for something a little different and it, like it it's just very that's pretty. gonna bother you grow up yeah well slushy you were just saying <laughs> that it's hard for you to follow no. it wasn't hard for me to follow i just that's wasn't paying joke. attention um there's got to be a dub of this, right? Like there might be, but I couldn't this probably find one. came out in a theater. Maybe I don't know. This came out uh, the same year, months apart from Django. So right when Franco Nero blew up. Well, how come Django's in color then? Did they just invent uh, color in that two months? <laughs> hard is cheap, so black and white film stock is cheap. Yeah. Light of the Living Dead is 1968, and it's in black and white, yeah. which is very, it was very light black and white movie. Was that, that not light. like an artistic decision, though? Or? No, it's, uh, it was cost. Oh, okay. If you like this sort of thing, check it out. If you're yeah. interested in this sort of thing, check it out. If you've never seen another Frank O'Neill movie besides Django, check this one out. If you want to show your friends in college a cool movie, show them My Name is Trinity. Yeah, if you show your friends in college they this, they Trinity, might so. they might like go back to their dorms and be like, eh, I, I can't believe no. it. Eh. There's some hot women in this, though. That's true. <laughs> the women that he brings back to kill are like some of the most stunning women I've seen like a movie in a long time. Like they're really fucking attractive. So, yeah, there you go. Read, read the room. Read the audience. Yeah, maybe watch this first and then see if you want to show it to your cool college friends to look cool. Yeah. So okay, finally getting into the Albert Pune part of the episode. Uh, do you think Forgot you should? That. Do you think you should show Sword and the Sorcerer to your cool college friends? Absolutely, I would. Absolutely. This is a. I feel like this is a forgotten. This type of movie, and I don't think it deserves that. 
right? Like, I had never seen this. I've seen a bunch of this type of movie, just early 80s-ish fantasy movie. And, like, I I think as as this type of film goes, like, you have, like, your Willows and your Krolls and your Conans. That's the A tier. And then you have the B tier. I think this is, like, the top of that. Better than Kroll? No, Kroll is in the A tier. For me, Oh, anyway. sorry, okay. I mean, yeah, I agree. Um, like, this is better than Barbarians. Maybe it's it's not wow. as funny as Barbarians, but <laughs> what was the what was the movie about the Barbarian sisters? Um, what was that? I don't remember the name. It's better than that. I don't either. It is it's not as I, sexy. Just, no, but uh, it's there uh, are a lot of boobs in it, though. Were there? Oh yeah, yeah, there were. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a movie about a Richard Lynch from Puppet Master Three, the evil Nazi. Is that that is the same guy, right? The guy who started acting as a villain because he burnt his face off on drugs in Central Park. Um, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look that burned in this. I don't know if he like had a lot of makeup on or something. Which at that point, like, why are you using him? But right. I didn't uh, realize it was him. He's a he's an evil king. What's his he has he has a name that's like it's like a very normal. Name. It's a very it's a common fantasy name. Like it's it's been used in history or something. I can't remember. He's an evil king and he wants to take over the good kingdom. So he goes Cromwell. to Cromwell. Right? King yes. Titus Cromwell. <laughs> he. He like the movie starts. He's going into this crypt. The crypt is fucking cool looking. It's like this tomb with like all faces on it. And then they do the spell to open the tomb, and all the faces become like people faces, like made up. Yeah, and that was screaming. Cool. And uh, I believe the demon is Richard Mole, who is uh, Bull from Night Court. <laughs> Who's in? Lushia. He's in a lot of these fantasy movies. He's in Dungeon Master, which we got to watch. Um, he makes a deal with a demon to to go to just help him take over the good kingdoms, and they he, they never trust each other, and they he eventually betrays him, and then like the movie, he like a betrays him movie, before he's killed the king that he right. Like, <laughs> resurrected him in order to defeat which was a little weird yeah but it he's worked like out. we we've killed enough of this guy's army that i don't need you anymore so then so he just throws him off a cliff <laughs> like, yeah so the main there's there's too many players in this movie is what i was so <laughs> starting many. to like we haven't fully got into it yet but like the main character is the sort of a, a little fancy boy who loves berries and cream at at the start of the movie, <laughs> um, his father—he's the son of the Talon. good kingdom, Talon, uh, son of King Richard. <laughs> is it King Richard really? Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Um, King Richard gives him like he knows shit's bad. He gives him his the sword here pictured on the poster. It's a three bladed sword that looks real fucking goofy. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a bad prop. It's yeah. It's, it's kind of cool, but it's kind of lame. But you ain't seen nothing the, yet, so yeah. 
the concept of it is cool, but it's like very cheaply made. It's just like it's a little too the big. hilt is just a yeah, it's way too big. The hilt is just like a cylinder. They didn't bother to like do like a leather wrap on it or anything. The blades on it are like way too thin to be used as a weapon at all. They would like the second you clash that with an actual sword, it would fucking shatter. Yeah, and that does happen in the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which you know props to them it's it reminded me of the power sword from the 2000s he-man which if i can just grab an image uh i can't find an image of this sword pictured like opens up horizontally and turns into like an x shape (laughs) so like it seemed really similar to the power sword from the 2000s he-man but it's uh so the kid escapes the kingdom falls as as the kid is escaping we find out that the sword is able to shoot its blades <laughs> so he, he's getting it's attacked cool. and he fucking blasts with like there's like a co2 burst coming like out of the sword and like one blade blasts into another guy and then he blasts another guy um he shoots the middle blade first, which is weird. I think he leaves the middle blade, but I think just the side blades shoot. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. maybe I also it think was it's just only the side blades. The angle. Maybe yeah. it was just the angle that confused me. But um, the middle blade is the one that would you'd actually be able to aim. I need. In real we, I think we should be clear on yeah. on the the makeup of the sword for people who don't have video to see the poster where it it also doesn't look quite like it does in the film. Right, on like the poster, it, on the but, poster, it's like three blades horizontally across. In the movie, right. it's like three blades vertically stacked. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, if you, were, if you were holding three swords in your hand so that they lined up and the blades were all facing the same way and you were like trying to chop something with three swords at the same time, that's the orient like... It's yeah, a, it's it's goofy. It's, um, the the flats of the three blades are what are together. They're lined up by the flat and not by the blade. So it's not. It's a thick sword. It's not a wide like, sword. Yes, it's um, it's cool. Like a lot of you know these fantasy movies, they got to have like an iconic weapon, like Kroll. I feel like that's what they were going for here. I don't think it really succeeds because the sword doesn't end up having a big enough role. Right in the movie, the sword is like right in the beginning when and he's escaping, and then he doesn't have it again until the last battle. You, and I don't. You assume I it's was gonna looking like, away at the time. You assume it's gonna like be critical in killing the sorcerer or something, but then like the sorcerer is also kind of an afterthought in the film, so, right? So like it's yeah. I think the opening is the strongest part. It's like opening ten or fifteen minutes. It's pretty. Well, strong. the the opening is the most coherent part for sure. Yeah. Right. So it flashes forward. Talon is Talon becomes an adult, and he becomes like he looks like a fancy lad in the beginning of the movie. But in in the intervening years before he you know obviously comes back and gets revenge, he he has turned into Conan. Like he has this reputation of being a you know a pirate a lover of women a, a mercenary as you know 
a general a, a general yeah like he has this whole reputation and he's like, but he looks more like a sinbad which is a little odd he's the actor is like a pretty tall guy and like he feels big like his shirt eventually comes off in the movie and he's not like a built guy but like no not at all he plays like a lot of the mo- the scenes where he's like next to somebody is like he's next to this pretty small woman and like she looks tiny in his hand when like he helps her up and like he's wearing all these furs and he just he looks really big i think i think he looks cool for the most part he yeah. looks good it's it, it, it was just a little bit like it just felt a little bit off cuz like he acts like a dashing rogue kind of character mm mm-hmm. mhm like a like a guy who if you were fighting him one on one maybe he could beat you in a duel but if you were like a uh if you were a super skilled swordsman then he would have to resort to trickery that kind of thing right but like he feels more like a han solo than he does right. a conan the way he the way he acts and the way his face looks yes yeah yeah i agree um, oh, that's probably what they were going for. Yeah. Considering the era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like the way they were like building him up, building him up in like the, the camera panning over his, the, over him exposition scene. <laughs> it seemed more like the he was, film, the world of the film treats him like Conan, but the film right in the film, the he's film like, Han Solo. like um, yeah. there's a lot of penis stuff in this movie. Uh, basically every, yeah. every time people fight, somebody says like, oh, nice sword. Too bad your dick is so little. <laughs> like it, <laughs> th- it happens like a dozen yeah. times. And like, there's a scene where the main character is like making a deal with the main lady character. And he likes, he goes to like stand up and like both of his arms are above the table, but the table lifts up and it's like, is his boner lifting the table? Like it, it's a very penis centric film in a weird way. Very phallic. <laughs> but so like But then also like the the main the leading lady, like there's so many times where evil men are like Oh, you're hot and I wanna fuck you and she's like, Oh yes, let's fuck. And, and then he's like, I'm, I'm going to fuck you so hard. And she's like, with what? And then kicks him in the nuts. And right. like, that happens like that. five times. Yeah. <laughs> the, the opening is very strong, but also feels different from the rest of the movie. Yeah. Where people are dying in the opening and then yeah. like our, our hero <laughs> bonks rapists over the head with like a piece of meat instead of killing them. Yeah, you people, think he would slaughter them, but right. he just like bonks them over the head and then laughs about it. People do pretty much stop dying in the bulk of the movie. Yeah, acts yeah, two and three. Weird. Like they, <laughs> so there's like still nudity. So like what? Yeah. So know. he he comes back to the he comes back to his kingdom, which he is the rightful heir to, which he's not interested in, uh, and he's leading a mercenary company, which the his co-leader in the mercenary company is like the the guy the bald guy from murphy brown which threw me off because hard to (laughs) hard to see that guy in any other role but um 
they like there's this whole thing set up where like the the heir to the kingdom is the ex advisor of the king and he's leading a rebellion and then the rebellion is consulting with this other guy who turns out to be the sorcerer in disguise <laughs> but then like the other guy is plotting against Cromwell and Cromwell's Cromwell's like going crazy because he believes the sorcerer is still around. I don't think that really got played up enough. Like that could have been a cooler. Yeah, I agree. It was pretty cool when it did come into play. Like Cromwell thinks that Talon is the sorcerer and that's sort of a fun little interplay. Cromwell's great, by the way. Really good villain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just like Albert Pune had three different scripts that he just reworked into one script. There's yeah, there's just too yeah. much there's there's too much intrigue and the intrigue isn't very interesting and the most of the threat in the bulk of the movie is like people keep getting thrown in jail. <laughs> like, like people get beat up on and off camera and then they go in the dungeon and then they get out of a dungeon and then they get back in a dungeon and then they have to, they have to go to a different dungeon because someone else is in a different dungeon. <laughs> like I think Slushy said that, uh, you thought that you missed a scene, right? Slushy. Cause they were right. Like, like there was this great scene where there's like, uh, Talon's second in command is in a whorehouse and he's like talking with someone else that's part of Talon's group about no, how they're going like, to break Talon out of jail, right? He, he runs into a guy who knew Talon from somewhere else, which is okay, another yeah. very Conan type thing, you know? Yeah. And then they're, they're talking about breaking him out and then like multiple times, maybe only like two or three, but someone pulls back a curtain from the, the whore in the whorehouse they're having sex with. And it's like, oh, Talon's in prison. Talons? I'll join you to rescue. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really funny. They're like, yeah, let's but do then, it. And it cuts. Yeah. It wipes. And then they're all in prison. <laughs> they're just like, well, they're we all in prison up. and like they're yelling at each up. other. Yeah. It, it it was like it was such a sudden cut that I was like, oh, they're gonna reveal that their plan was to get thrown in prison, fake a prison riot, and break out and do it from the inside. But no, they just got caught off screen and thrown in prison for real, and they're actually mad at each other. Yeah, it's so weird. Did they write it that way, or did he plan to like shoot a scene and he couldn't afford it? I'm curious behind like, it's, the scenes. Stuff it's pretty it's hard to say. It's yeah. if. If you're paying attention, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it is. So it, it may have just been funny. meant for comedy. Yeah. But it, like, as, as we'll discuss uh, in the next film, Albert Pune seems to be pretty good at writing funny shit. Yeah. Uh, I, what, what, what was Pune's problem? You know? <laughs> I, like, I think maybe he's actually really good like i mostly had known him for doll man which is one of the more disappointing movies that exists just because around on him. it's like such doll man is such a good premise but it's so boring after the after the opening of the movie but like is it just budget like was that the issue because because this and brain smasher probably had more budget than he ever really and radioactive dreams you know yeah. Like they probably all yeah. had bigger budgets than he worked with later. I don't know. And they're all really good. Yeah. I 
I even like his Captain America, which I showed on the Fourth of July. It's it's decent, you know. Is that the one where the where Captain America like two or three times pretends to be sick and then steals the car? <laughs> I, I didn't, is that what happened? Is is it that one? I don't know. It was the one I watched. <laughs> well, there's like two of them, right? One of them is Red Brown, and one is is the Pune one Red it's Brown. It's the JD well? Salinger's son. It's a Salinger. Oh, one. Salinger, right? Matthew okay. Salinger. Matthew. So <laughs> I yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's the one where there are like two times. Once early on, he like tricks. Wait, an he old really guy is the son it. of JD. I can't, I thought for this whole time you've been doing a bit, and I just looked it up, and he really is. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you're like just making a fucking joke because no. that name you don't ever hear that name and okay <laughs> it's fucking amazing uh i mean what else about sword and the sorcerer like um i wish movies like this were still made i yeah i've been where are these movies is it just i've is it I just feel like sword and sorcery like is like, like a... mostly been abandoned I think it's right too expensive. yeah i mean it's it's expensive by the nature of it, but I feel like there's maybe it's I just mean, it in my head. Be. I feel like there's like a renaissance of this type of idea, right? Like they tried doing like John Carter. They tried doing Conan again. They both flopped. That's true. I didn't see either of them. Yeah, I didn't see. Well, I, I think, I think the issue is probably like just the issue with a lot of films now that like, nobody wants to take risks anymore right Every, and it, everything is too focus tested if, like, if john carter and conan did like numbers i think we would yeah. have seen a lot well, of these i mean back. you look at like um uh what am i trying to think of uh you look at hobo with a shotgun and like turbo kid and and like even mm-hmm. like kung kung fury and shit or whatever like you know like there was a wave of that like there was a wave of indie like 80s fake 80s grindhouse type shit you know and there was the wave of grindhouse shit like I'm, yeah it's it's weird to me that there has been no wave of i just think you need something to pave the way yeah. that way you can tell your producer hey give me money because it worked for it worked for hobo with a shotgun so let me yeah. make a turbo kid yeah essentially yeah, it would be good to see. Uh but this it's a pretty unusually like it's this movie is I think unusually true to the literal genre, right? It is. <laughs> like yeah, it's very for sure. maybe even more than the Conan film. I don't know. Maybe not. But Pion is definitely a fan of pulp and yeah. sword and sorcery and just he knew his shit. It comes through. It's a good film. It's fun. It's a little goofy. The script's a little messy. It kind of has the Mandalorian season three problem of, well, now we got to go back here. <laughs> we, f- we fucked up here. Now we got to go back here to this place we just were, and we got to do this I thing. I even finish that season. I wa- dropped that after like the first episode, so yeah. I could at least finish this. <laughs> Which... I've asked MDB in the chat. I think he screened it, and so this is like the second time I've seen it within a few months. I yeah, if he did, I missed it. But um, what was I going to say? Uh, 
there's a lot of good shots in the movie. You know, like there there will be a a pan up to the sorcerer's throne, and like it's really well lit, and it's really cool looking, and you have the the cool looking tomb. There's a lot of just cool looking stuff. Like there's the there's the <laughs> the brothel, which is cool looking because there's boobs. I don't know. I'm reading his Wikipedia page, peons, and they're comparing him to Ed Wood, which I think is really unfair because Ed Wood made like actual dog shit, right? And uh, Peon has made some really good, enjoyable movies, right? But I, yeah, I don't know this. I had never seen this. A lot of a lot of the fantasy movies that existed when I was a kid like I ended up seeing at some point you know I my mom would rent them and I'd sit on the floor smashing Dungeons and Dragons figures into each other <laughs> just if it if it was Dragon Slayer I'd get bored and not super pay attention <laughs> but, yeah I, I just never I'd never seen this and in the intervening years I'd never seen this it's it feels like a, a hidden gem I'd say it is. And it's on Tubi, right? Yeah. So you have no reason not to check it out and show your college friends. Yeah, for sure. One thing I really, really appreciate about Tubi is they have a whole sword and sorcery section. Yeah, and a lot of it is just dog shit of the lowest order, but... (laughs) like, But even... I don't know, man. If you're if you're really into like fantasy and sword sorcery and shit like that, even the dog shit's really fun to watch sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. If you're a horror fan, but for sword and sorcery, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like on like on there, uh, somewhere in my bottom twenty films is the Dwarves of Dragon Mountain, <laughs> which is one of the just one of the worst films I've seen. Uh, yeah, you can see that if you want. Uh, I've heard of that one. It's some indie thing from like f- five, ten years ago that's just like zero budget, zero. Some some dwarves get trapped in a cave-in, and it's like that's, a... That's the problem with modern films, is that we can shoot a movie on your phone now, so there's right. absolute shit out there. Yeah. And also, shooting on film is like a cheat code for making any movie really enjoyable. If you shoot a movie on film and it's shot on actual film and you have good audio, you're like a grade above anything else. So, I don't think you're wrong. What'd you say? You broke up a little. Me or Sashi? You count. Oh, I said you should have tried that Mayberry Man shoot on film. (laughs) I mean, it, a movie. It, I don't know. I don't know that it, I don't have the best eye for that. Like, I don't know that it wasn't. It was definitely digital. Mm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't make sense. It would not have the money. So, speaking of hidden gems, speaking of Albert Pyun, the, the, the main event film of this episode, something that I had never heard of in my life. Actually, no, I had heard of it. I think, uh, I have this picture in my mind of Jay Jay Bauman saying "Brain Smasher," a love story. 
<laughs> like just mentioning it. That and if you go on, that seems like something Jay Bauman would say. I if can, you go I on IMDb, s- it's like mentioned in X episode of Best of the Worst. <laughs> like I can, I can totally see in my mind's eye Jay Bauman saying that in the way that he would say it. But I've never heard of anyone. I've never seen anyone talk about this movie. I've never heard of this movie. Of I only I found this because I was looking up the Sue Sad who did the Radioactive Dreams music. Apparently, like her, someone in her band worked on this. But uh, wow, I love this. Movie. I went into <laughs> this. I went into this film fully expecting it to be dog shit. Because one, I didn't know that it was a Pune film until the end, even though it apparently said written and directed by Albert Pune right in the beginning. I was playing Skyrim at the time. Um, Like, I fully expected it to be dog shit because Andrew Dice Clay is like a comedian who's funny because his jokes suck ass and somehow he got super popular off that. Yeah. And I fully expected it to just be like a Dice uh, vehicle, especially after the like cold open where he's on the phone. Yeah. With his mom and then looks at the camera and is like, you're going to watch a movie about me and uh, about me. The brain smasher is great. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) this fucking the weirdest way to open a movie. Like, I don't, I don't know how I would feel if I sat down in a theater and it just started with that. I would, I wouldn't walk out because I've never walked out of a movie from a theater and I never will. I'm not sure this Um, played in theaters. Like I hope it did. <laughs> right. This was really good. It was so good. Good. It was shot really well. The acting was fantastic. The jokes were on point. It, it was like incredibly strange, but in a way that was so appealing. It is a beat 'em up video game brought to film. <laughs> I just thought that yeah. the entire time, like the way it's shot and everything. It's just that scene where they're in that hallway and he's. Uh, Terry Hatcher's like walking by and fucking Andrew Dice Clay's like beating the shit out of that guy like through the door. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. You could be describing like eight scenes in the movie. Well, there's like one particular shot and it's really fucking like really good. There's like in the back shots. of the nightclub? It wasn't in the nightclub. They were like. Okay. I don't. It was earlier on in the movie. That hallway in the back of the nightclub. His that nightclub? Shot, like Brain Smashers yeah. nightclub or the the Romeo's oh, right nightclub? His nightclub, yes. Okay. But it wasn't like... uh, Brain Smashers nightclub. Well, the one I'm talking about, Brain Smashers nightclub, when the one like he and Miss Crane, whose first name I've forgotten, but she's referred to as Miss Crane. So he's many like times. kicking them through the door, like the the room, like the open door. He's like beating the shit out of them, and it just it looked really amazing. Yeah. Like so casually in the background as she's walking by, and I, I don't know, a really good movie. It was a really good movie. I want to. So, yeah. So, so that's our intro. I want to jump back. Uh, Brain Smasher, a love story. I feel like. I feel like if if you like, get it. <laughs> jump an hour back. Oh. Get it. Um. If you if you like Big Trouble in Little China, if you like Streets of Fire, if you like Adventures of Fort Fairlane, <laughs> I think this is uh I think you will like this movie. Um this I was surprised to find out this came out after Ford Fairlane because that was when Dice's career basically died like forever. 
Like, is it good? I think I honestly think it's good. Um, okay, like, well, we should watch it sometime. Yeah, it's like Dice is basically playing the same character in this. Like, he has one character. I think he's a good actor, but he does have one character. He's playing. He's playing this less racist and misogynist <laughs> and sexist and homophobic than in Ford Fairlane and, you know, his comedy character, which I, f- I feel like Albert Pugh must have like really taken a chance on dice. Cause this is 93 Fairlane came out in 90. This was 93. I think so. You can double yeah. check that. Yeah, but, it was, it was, but, um, like, after like so dice blew up in the late 80s um for for his fucking bit his character his comedy character uh and <laughs> little miss muffet sat on her tuffet and i fucked her oh yeah like <laughs> the easiest thing to remember is his his uh hickory dickory dock <laughs> yeah his his nasty what is that nursery rhymes thing? Like little boy blue. Hey, he needed the money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, and that's, you know, that's easy to laugh at now in a detached way. Cause it's not really that funny, but like, right. like the other part of his act was like, like the thing that sticks out to me. Cause I've, I like after I watched Ford Fairlane, I watched his comedy special and one of many, like he had several HBO specials that are also like technically movies. Uh, (laughs) The bit that sticks out to me is like, Hey, I was in a, I was in a cab and I was like, take me to the club at 53rd street. And the guy was like, if you can't speak the language, get out of the fucking country. And the whole audience is like, they know the bit and they're saying, they're like yelling it with him. And it's like, where's the, this isn't a joke. This is just like a clan rally. Like what, (laughs) like what's going on here? (laughs) This like yuppie Hollywood bowl audience. It's really bizarre. Uh, but like, arguably (laughs) like it's weird like the media made this guy and they destroyed him completely because like he got huge and he had all these concerts and he made ford fairland because he was like supposed to be this hot thing but then like the other side of the media was like this guy's a piece of shit (laughs) and we're gonna boycott his shit and ford fairland fucking bombed and his career was over so like pion you know, was taking a chance on him at this point. It's really weird. And I'm glad he is, did. Is Dice still alive? He is, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's like, he's still... Yeah. Well, I know. <laughs> like, he's still doing comedy, and I think it, you know, he he's not doing the same bit, because he can't, but like... Well, I mean, he could. He'd just have to complain about how he can't, and how right. nobody will give him money, Right, but like, he'll have a Netflix special. It's It's weird, because like, it's just a character like it it really does seem to just have been a character but like you know there's elements of it that's that are unfortunate like what i (laughs) what i said like certain certain things get picked up on and it appreciated more than other things uh but i don't know 
there's a problem with media liter- literacy in our country, and I don't think that's a new a new opinion to have. But he does play a misogynist in this film. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. He does. Uh, it's funny because, like, the Dice character is, you know, he has all these leather jackets. He's, like, very tough guy, glamorous. Like, the same thing with Ford Fairlane. Like, he was even even more, like, glammed up. And then here he's just, he's just like a complete schlub. And he's just wearing, like, a black t-shirt and, a like, a black sweatband on his head. on a shitty car. Shitty car. He's, like, super not glamorous. It's, you know, maybe maybe a little introspection from dice hard to say maybe so so dice plays a bouncer name of brain smasher ed (laughs) and terry hatcher the super sexy babe from lois and clark uh she's a supermodel and they become embroiled over over a, a lotus, a lotus flower, which Shaolin monks are trying to get back from her. Uh, so that the lead monk can use it to become a literal god. Yeah, it's an ascension to godhood. It's, uh, it's funny. I don't know. Her, <laughs> Terry Hatcher's sister in the film. Uh, is like the Indiana Jones of botany, and she discovered the flower, and then the they there's a recurring joke, and we're just gonna call them ninjas, but <laughs> probably <laughs> this every every character in the movie calls the Shaolin monks ninjas. They're wearing masks, and they're like, "We're not ninjas. Ninjas are Japanese. We're Chinese." Well, that's the thing. Every character except for Brain Smasher's dad, who says. These guys ain't Chinese. They're speaking Japanese. Ninjas are Japanese. They ain't ninjas. <laughs> I, th- I think you mixed it up a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's, but yeah, like, it's a funny. You, you'd expect only... him to be the most racist character in the movie just because of stereotypes. But he's <laughs> right. He's with it. Um, it's because he fought the, the Japanese. He knows. And then the main guy's like, "This guy gets it." Yeah. <laughs> the main. The main, the main. Uh, monk. Yeah. Uh, oh, the they're not dressed like ninjas from, uh, or monks. Like they, I mean, they're walking around like, in uh, black trench coats and wearing weird braids that I've never seen any. Like Harry I'm not going to say they, mother they don't. Is the mom but... in this, which I've never seen her in anything else. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the the monks, the ninjas, they all look like uh, Jet Li in Black Mask. Which I've never seen that movie, but <laughs> the, I guess like wearing the Kato. They look like Kato from Green Hornet. Uh, yeah, but is Pun Chinese? By the way, do, do uh, we know that? Is he? <laughs> does he I know? thought he was an American. Well, yeah, but I—I I mean, half or something. I don't... Let's see. To check on that because there's like a there's a scene where like a, a racist cop a cop makes a racist remark about the the ninjas and is like immediately just killed <laughs> super hard it says he was born in hawaii interesting okay i don't know if he's like a 
Hawaiian. Could be. I don't know. Uh, so on the on the when I said Streets of Fire, like <laughs> that's it's getting to be kind of a joke with the podcast. I feel like, but um, Pune obviously a fan. We found out he made a sequel to Streets of Fire, which we're gonna have to watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to if it's terrible or not. <laughs> I think it's almost definitely going to be terrible. My sister is in it too. That was in this, so yeah. Um, who is the lady from the Warriors? Apparently, yes, she is. Um, like the similarity is, it's like the movie's mostly at night. There's just a, a lot of like colored lighting in the movie, and like it's it, the sound. The score is very integral the 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 soundtrack it's it's a very eclectic soundtrack though like what is her name i wrote this down it appears as if albert pune's father was korean okay um, okay but his mother's name is well yeah his mother's name is dora pune there doesn't seem to be any information on where she's from a lot of the um I just felt like the <laughs> the like race confusion stuff in this movie might have you know come from a place from him right. you know since he wrote it but uh, a lot of the music is by Madeline von Ritz who whose real name is Lynn Castle and like I think weird scene <laughs> real weird scene at the nightclub that Brain Smasher bouncers for like I assume this was Madeline Von Ritz playing but there's a band on the stage and they sound like they sound like a lady version of Bauhaus <laughs> it was really weird absolutely just like, like kind of a, like a Sprecka song just like gothic weird like not the kind of music you would expect to hear in that type of scene at all or in, like in that type of setting it's bizarre <laughs> And then, like, several, and also the crowd times in the like, movie. The crowd during that scene were like doing this synchronized jump, right, <laughs> at the end of every bar. Yeah. It was very strange. Yeah, uh, really interesting soundtrack. A lot of like some cheesy like synth jazz, but like all the all the real songs in the in the soundtrack are just interesting and strange um like in i don't know if this is what count was talking about but there was a the a thing that struck me like in the in the back back of the nightclub like there's a fight scene in a hall and there's this like dutch angle tracking shot down the hall like the the camera like rotates and goes down the hall in this like really artistic way count said it was like very music video yeah that was really good too there's like shots where like people are going around a corner like when they're when people like come around a corner in a hallway like they walk by a camera that like shoots their shadow like you see their shadow first and then they come around the corner like just interesting camera stuff in this movie i'm trying to see who did the camera on IMDb because they fucking killed it. Like, there's all these shots with the ninjas just walking as a gang in the street with like stark mist lighting. George Moradian. 
Did you do anything else? Meridian, Escape from New York, Dick Tracy, Cyborg, Blues Brothers. So he's done a lot of. I can, yeah, stuff. I can see the Dick Tracy now that you say that. Yeah. Wow. Huh. <laughs> I need to watch Cyborg. That's another dumb, man. movie. Well, Witcher two. Hmm. Yeah. Witcher two, really? Yeah. <laughs> Nemesis two, so three, done some and four. Good stuff, some bad stuff. Dull man, you know, the film where arcade. nothing happens. Nemesis one as well. Dull man, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, he seems to have worked with Full Moon and Albert Pune quite a bit. Well, he fucking shines here. Yeah, for sure. They should have let the two of them make more movies, like as the lead creative behind the scenes more a lot of jokes in the film a lot of good jokes i think people that make good movies should be allowed to make more movies without as much oversight and people (laughs) who make bad movies should stop well Well, that's hard to say because who knows how much reined in they were on this or not you know that's you know the problem is like you make you make a brain smasher and for whatever reason, it is completely ignored by the world. Like maybe it, was it Dice's fault? I don't know. Like was he still just com- like in such a shit house place from just basically being the first person to ever be canceled? <laughs> like this movie just <laughs> got this. Like this has apparently never come out on DVD in America. Like, I feel like people should have talked about this, if not for Clay, for Terry Hatcher, because she was big in the 90s yeah, and then into the 2000s, so I never heard of it. It's just, I yeah, <laughs> I feel like, like, what good is the internet if not a, uh, you know, pop culture aggregator suggestor, you know? I also <laughs> it's really it failed be like, I guess that's what we're doing. Supernatural. And I kept waiting for that to like kick in and it never right. did, which is fine. But yeah. like I, I just kind of thought it from the title and then all the ninjas. I know they're not ninjas. Uh, yeah. I mean it it has it sort of has that angle and that suggestion, right? Because like it does. The, the lotus, but it it never really goes like fully supernatural. Like there's it's there's a lot ambiguous. of there's a lot of scenes where the ninjas are just like leaping around <laughs> for the sake of it. And they, right. they basically like the, the head, the head ninja just catches bullets right. several like times. It's pretty cool. Um, I did appreciate that. It looked like, like the first time he caught a bullet, it, it looked like it just damaged his glove, but not yeah. his hand. And by the end, after he had caught a bunch of bullets, his hand was bleeding. Yeah. They, and like, they went in yeah. there a little bit. I don't know how much of that was intentional intention attention to detail, but it worked really well for me. Man, <laughs> this is one of my notes. Speaking of the the first time the the head monk catches a bullet, <laughs> there's all this like <laughs> all these people off camera are going like, "Oh no way! Come on, no!" Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really funny. funny. Um, because it's like they, they had just gone through the police station, beat the shit out of all the cops, so finally one of the cops shoots at them, Yeah, he catches the bullet, and all the cops are like, 
oh, come on. <laughs> the, it's so fucking good. The uh, Tim Thomerson of, of Dollman fame is one of the cops. He's I've always, whenever people like talk about Tim Thomerson, they mention that he was a comedian. I've never really found him that funny, <laughs> but he's, he's pretty fucking funny in this. I don't know. What a fucking name. Yeah. Tim he, Thomerson. He, he was like, good in this. He he was he's I mean he's I think he's good in everything. I like him a lot, but I've just never really I've never really gotten a big humor vibe off him or comedian. I wonder if he knew are... guys from the from the comedy clubs. Uh, maybe. There are a lot of injustices in this world, but one of them is that Mayberry Man has a five point five on IMDB and the Sword and the Sorcerer as a 5.4 and Brain Smasher as a 5.2. Damn. Like, I like Ford Fairlane a lot. A I, I think I like this more than Ford Fairlane. It might be recency bias, but... Well, Ford I really Fairlane has this, a 6.4. So it might hmm. not be recency bias, because there's something about this that was... Uh, the humor is good, and the action's good, and... It, it it is very Streets of Fire. It's one of those one crazy night type movies that I really love. We were yeah. on a misadventure in the city, and it's I don't know. It's it takes, great. Takes place in Oregon. Is it Portland? I yeah. think so. Yeah, it's like a pretty rare setting for this type of movie. I feel like it is usually New York or L.A. <laughs> but, uh. I was I made the joke while we were watching it, but I wanna I wanna see it for real. The fucking brain smasher statue in Portland, like the Rockies <laughs> like the Rockies statue in Philadelphia. Yeah. There's uh I don't know, the He's only other note hero. the only other note I really have is like there's in the scenes of the like walking around the dark night abandoned streets, like there's a lot of posters of Terry Hatcher's character because she's a supermodel. I, I thought that was really cool. You know, they'd be, they'd be like walking. She's in the, yeah. They'd be walking around in the, the abandoned streets and there's just like a big poster of her that's for some shoes or something, you know? It feels real that she's an actual model in this world. Yeah. Well-made movie. Well shot. What kind of idiot, what kind of idiot spends $10,000 on a watch? <laughs> Like five people say that back after that one scene, right? What do you mean? Say again? The boyfriend d- doesn't oh, even appear again. Yeah, he never comes back. First, yeah. yeah, he's just there for that. I don't know. Which is fine. He didn't need to. I was just yeah, yeah, wondering. Yeah. If you want uh, to impress your friends in college, show them Rain Smasher a love story. Yeah, this Absolutely. will... F- Knock their fucking socks off. You will be the coolest guy around in your little film group. Or gal. Or they them. (laughs) Thank you for the inclusiveness. No, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to... I don't want to necessarily beat by beat it, but... uh... Yeah, because there's some stuff in here that you want to see for yourself, like how hot Terry Hatcher looks at (laughs) certain points. Yeah, she puts on a stripper's costume at one point. 
Amina. And then she's in it for the rest of the film. Yeah. Yeah. It is good. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, she's like a cool character because. Uh, well, they're both playing stereotypes and they're going beyond their. Yeah, because uh, everybody keeps saying, oh, you're a supermodel. Oh, you must be dumb. And just, no, I like to read. I like to do right. other stuff. Come on. And then he's just meant to be like an ugly brute. And he's not. Although he kind of is. But no, there's more to him. This movie has I, he one deserves of those... a better career movie wise. Like he could I, yeah. have played this like role in five other different movies. Yeah, I <laughs> I agree. It's just it's unfortunate. Like I don't I don't know. It's unfortunate that his movies were buried by history because yeah. I really do like them, and I I think he's a lot of the big actors play one character. You know. Sure, <laughs> Jack Nicholson does. Jack, yeah, he's he's plays this character good. It's a fun character. The protagonist doesn't have to be a perfect person; he can be an asshole. Sure, and he plays it well. But he he grows a little. <laughs> it's, it's... He portrays the asshole everyday man very well. That. Which is why it worked well for even his his persona on stage, doing comedy. Like, right? People bought it so well yeah. because he can pull it off. Yeah, even though it was like a character. <laughs> was, he just has that presence. I, I like. I was looking up stuff about like the details of you know the end of his career after you know around Ford Fairlane, and he went on. He went on Arsenio, and like he he got up. Like they were talking about you know his critics and people boycotting his stuff like like he went on snl and one of the cast members wouldn't go on that episode and uh like, but, but on arsenio like he gets up and he he's like he's he's crying <laughs> he's like Damn. he's like hey you, you know believe in yourself just you just gotta bust your ass and I'm I'm me. I'm me and I'm not I'm not filtered and I'm not apologizing. And the audience is like laughing and he's <laughs> like they can't like even in that moment they can't like see through the character that this dude is actually crying. It's like really it's I don't know. So she's right. Media literacy is dead. Yeah. Has has been dead has for been. some time. Yeah. <laughs> People don't then they understand Larry the cable guys a bit. Like, people are just dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you should watch Brain Smasher because it's fantastic. We're out here trying. And Peon deserves some respect. Yeah, I don't. It's uh, it's just interesting, even. Even after he passed away, people are still just like pointing at like Cyborg and Dollman and stuff, and it's like those those aren't his best movies by a long I, shot. It's that's I don't good know. Stuff. There's like he really really seems to have been a a varied and passionate director who like deserve bigger budgets and and he seemed you know, to have such distinct visions and yet he knew his shit for each one. Yeah. Like he knew 
this genre as well as he knew the sword and sorcery genre and he pulled them off flawlessly for the yeah. most part for like this level of budget and everything yeah i think this i don't know i feel like i was looking at this might have had like four four point five million budget i feel like i saw that that's pretty good then yeah at the time and everything seems yeah i don't know like when he when he got a budget it was good when he didn't have a budget it did suffer i think but i don't know we'll 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 watch more i don't know i don't know that we're gonna pivot to to see all of his films but we'll we'll watch a few more and see how it goes yeah test the waters but I think that's all we have to say about Brain Smasher. Do you have anything, Slushy? No. Just watch it. Yeah. Is this on anything? Watch it and have an open <laughs> I had, mind. I had to pirate it. Uh, let's see. Let me, let me just, IMDb let me just check in the trivia. Quick. IMDb in the trivia says it was on put on Netflix in 2012, but... It's not anymore. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah this appears to... Unless you want to break the law, this is just a a rental on YouTube. But it is a cheaper. It's on the cheaper side. So. <laughs> Kids in go. college, learn how to torrent, and you'll be really fucking cool. Because <laughs> you'll show shit like this that no one else knows. And the thing about learn the college network, it's like the, the college network. Yeah, it's all. It's how basically anonymous that? at that point. Yeah, you'll be fine. Probably not. Get a VPN. Maybe um, we're we should not get, responsible for any legal action. Let's get sponsored by a VPN. That probably work, right? <laughs> Maybe. NordVPN, if you want to sponsor us or Tubi or the both of you, please contact us. Or Torrent Leech Send us or Cinemageddon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I suppose we'll wrap up there for today. So, Seems like a good as good a place as any. Folks. Thank you all for listening and watching. Thank you. Uh, what did we learn today? Media literacy. Try to have it. Albert Pyun. Rest in peace. He's pretty good. Yeah, rest in peace. Mayberry Man eat, been like eat, a year, right? eat shit in hell and die forever. <laughs> Almost been a year. Make sure to turn the logs on the fire. All right. Well, see you next time, folks. Thanks, everyone.